Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to Ziggy's Running Slow, a Quantum Leap <laughs> podcast with Sam and Dennis. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, that's that's dennis's bit he kindly gave it to me he passed it on to me and said like you're the one that usually says you know the 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 name of the podcast so you should take it uh no we're fate's wide wheel um and this week we're gonna be talking about sos um which gave us many many things including the line ziggy's running slow if i ever have a band i'm gonna name it that um Written by Danger Terrace. I also love that. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, Directed by Chris Grismer. uh, Has some incredible stuff for all of our characters, really. Some of it, you know, smaller than others. Um, But definitely a great showcase for Addison and and Caitlin Bassett. Um, Uh Some really great moments. And later on in this very episode, you will hear from both Caitlin Bassett and Deandra Jarris, uh, as they so kindly donated some of their time to us to talk about that this episode. That was so much fun. That was so much it fun. Really I feel you, you got to set this up. I like, I feel like it was like Dean was a definite and then Caitlin was like a touch and go thing, like right up until the last minute. And then even still, like we had some, <laughs> we had some tech issues getting started. It was like, ah, are we, we going to get Caitlin or we're not, whatever it was. Yeah. But it was, yeah. It was, it was, yeah, I, you know, I, I, it really was, it really was. And, um, if, if, if you want to know how this stuff gets made, um, I, you know, I had reached out to Dean cause I was very interested in, in talking to him about the episode. I thought it'd be a lot of fun. Um, I, it's funny because when I initially reached out, I was just sort of like, Hey, you know, obviously we'd really love to have you on again. Uh, I know you're busy. Um, but if, if you'd like to come on for, for SOS, it'd be great. And, uh, and, and then he was, you know, shortly after that, he was, he was kind of like, yeah, I think I can do it. I think I can do it this time. Uh, and, and then a few days later he was like, what would you think if I brought Caitlin along? And I was sort of like, I think that would be fine. <laughs> sure. Sure. We'll, Why not? We'll, sure. We'll take it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, and, and, and she was just absolutely Lovely, as as you all already know, but we'll certainly see later. Um, and I was excited about doing it, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, I, I it, really it was enjoyed. So much, it was fun. It was weird. Parasocial relationships are so bizarre because, like, I have never met her in person, but I, it, it was strangely chill. I was not nervous. It was great. It was awesome. Uh, Caitlin, thank you so much for coming on. I know I tend to be quieter during, during our interviews. Uh, and, and I don't give all the superlatives and the nice words as well as Sam does, but thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. And you too, Dean, it was, uh, it was great. And we got to make some jokes and we, we mostly at Dean's things. expense. <laughs> sure. Yes. Which, well, yeah. Uh, no, I, yeah, there was a, one of the things that I loved so much about it is that there was a wonderful sense of play. You know, there was this wonderful uh-huh. sense of kind of like, for lack of a better word, equity. Like we were just, you know, we were sitting yeah. down and having a conversation. Um, you know, I won't go so so far as to apply friends, but certainly with, with acquaintances, you know, a conversation sure. as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, some sort of like official thing. Cause you know, we're not professionals by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and it's and the tone the the thing that's so fascinating sometimes about the conversations that we're lucky enough to have um, with writers, producers, and and, and, and cast is that uh, you know you really do get to strike a different tone with with each conversation that we've had thus far. And coming off the heels of talking with Deborah a couple of times in a row for an episode, like that conversation was was really at times it was just sort of like let me let me just sit underneath 
your learning tree and try to <laughs> gain as much knowledge as possible. Right. And that's kind of how I felt the first time we talked to Dean as well, sure. honestly, was just sort of like, teach me as much as you can about your iteration of quantum leap. Um, but this one, yeah, this one felt a little bit different and it was nice. And, and, and again, it was just a lot of fun and it was necessary. And, uh, for me in particular, there, there, there's uh, a moment, um, uh, in, in the interview that, that, some viewers or listeners may uh, pick up on that was difficult for me. And without going into too much detail, I will just say that um, my father's been in the hospital for a while now. And uh, I've been speaking with palliative care team about, you know, end of life and, and that sort of stuff. And it's, um, it's been difficult because my history with him has, has been alluded to on the podcast before has not been great. He was an abusive alcoholic yeah. and it uh, caused a lot of pain and a lot of trauma for, for my family and uh, something that mm. I've been trying to confront and deal with head on for the past few years and the use of, of therapy. And uh, sometimes sometimes this podcast gets to be an extension of that. Um, and this was, was certainly no... Um, no exception. And so it was really, really helpful because it's, uh, it is a difficult, it's a difficult time to say the least, but, um, mm. yeah, just, just the thing that continues to come around when we get the privilege to speak to some of these people that work on the show, um, is that there's just a, a such a strong sense of kindness. Um, mm. and you know, the passion is real, you know, Caitlin even said it, once or twice when we were talking about how, you know, this is her life, like, right. Like this is, this is everything uh -huh. to her right now. And, um, you know, that, that combination of passion and kindness is not, it's not always in existence, <laughs> you know, I, I, um, on, on, on any sort of artistic endeavor or something like this collaborative artistic endeavor. And so it's just been really heartening and, um, yeah, it was it was a balm for the soul today. So uh, I am I am grateful even beyond the chance of just getting to chat for for our little show. Uh, it was really yeah. it was really cool of them to spend some time with us. That's fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, Sam. I um, I've alluded to my past on the background on the on the show too. You, you you know my background. We we have some similarities. So I completely empathize. I love you and yeah. Thank you. I love yeah. you too. All right. All right. So with that said, let's do this. You've got yeah, the Ben Madison, Yin Jen magic mug. Uh, I, I've got my Topo Chico. I've given up on LaCroix. So they, they never wanted to sponsor us. That's a really old joke for anyone who's followed the podcast for a long time. Uh, mm -hmm. So now I'm, I'm hitting up Topo Chico and see if they want to. Uh, actually, I hear they're owned by Coca-Cola now. So I'm sure they want nothing to do with us. But that's besides the point. Sure. Uh, yeah. Let's thank some people, Dennis. Do, do thank, let's thank some patrons. Jump on in. All right. We want to thank our patrons who help. Us keep the lights on here. Alice Place, Leap Bandsite, Bourbon and Board Games, Carolyn, Cosplay Dad, Joanne Bartlett, Dana Bias, Rich Bork, Kevin, and Kevin Butcher, Carol Davis, Dex Lower, Dermot Devlin, Barry Donovan, Brian Dreadful, Troy Evers, Larry Ganey, Jason Geis, Michelle Hoffman, Amy Holtkamp, Larry Johnson, I'm sorry, Lori Johnson, Bess A. Corey, Lady Eternal, Rob Nunn, Oddly Specific with Audra, Christopher Redman, Adrian Saul, Karen Saxon, Jerry Seward, Mike. Stouffer, Heather Strabiak, Damon Sugamelli, Larry Trujillo, Stuart Williams, Jill Wilson, our anonymous donors, and as always, a special shout out to Jessica Conger and Betsy Freimar, our spouses who provide vital child care while we record our show. Speaking of, you will see a small cameo by Harrison later on. <laughs> if you stick around, it was getting bath time, and last night I started a uh, 
I, I started a game where we, during Eleanor's bath time, who always goes first, uh, I started a game of us like turning out all the lights and, and hiding in mommy and daddy's bedroom, like like we've gone to bed. So then when they come out of the bathroom, just like all of the lights are <laughs> off. So I just started that game last night, and he was coming down to urgently tell me that it was time to play that game. So that's what we were doing. <laughs> uh, so that's what he was coming down to tell me to tell me earlier when we were uh, getting towards the end of our conversation with Caitlin and Dean. But yes, that's thank you, Jessica and Betsy, for keeping the lights on. Uh, without any further ado, for the sake of time, brevity, should we yeah. jump in? And yeah, let's do it. Let's do let's some do yeah. some non spoiler stuff. Um, and uh, uh, oh, of course, real quick, as I always say, thank you all to our supporters so so very much. If you want to give to the podcast, that's awesome. We really appreciate it. But we ask that you just make sure that you're you know keeping an eye on your community and helping out uh, where you can and trying to set things right where they sometimes go wrong. There's a lot of wrongness out there right now. A lot of it. We'll talk more about that later, maybe in a future episode. But uh, for now, uh, thank you all so very much. We really appreciate it. On to our non-spoiler review. Uh, I thought this was great. I, I just enjoyed it so much. Um, and I, I think that there's uh, so many wonderful things about the way that the present day stuff works with the past. Um, mm. So much thematically that I think ties into the show in general uh, on the whole Um and, and, and I really, really loved all of those elements, um, some wonderful surprises. The thing is, is that when it comes right down to it, that emotional core, that heart of the show is so on display throughout the course of this episode. Um, and, and just done in, in this really warm, lovely way, in particular with the work from, from Brandon Routh and, and Caitlin Bassett. Um, it's, it's, it's just lovely, you know, and, uh, I, I thought that there was, just yeah, it was, there was a lot of tension throughout the episode. Intense episode in in a lot of ways, and uh, very successful uh, for for my part. I, I like I said, I just really really enjoyed it, and uh, I'm looking forward to to getting to revisit it again. I know, yeah. Uh, I, I will say this is a rare one. I only watched this episode once. We watched it on on Friday when the when the spoiler came in. Betsy and I watched together. She really enjoyed it. I'm going to share some of her thoughts and insights later on because the, the, the same with family style last week. Like she, she just comes up with stuff like I, I, I don't think of, and that's awesome. Um, we should have her on the show. Um, we, we, know, <laughs> we, we totally should. She's yeah. And she's game for it. Cause we've talked about like, in case if anything happens, we need a backup. Like she's, you know, we'll have to get the kids in bed and jump on the, jump on the mic. Right. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I had a lot of similar thoughts and this is not necessarily my favorite episode because I'm going to stop throwing that superlative to everyone <laughs> that comes along the way with the exception sure. of a uh, uh, family style last week, which, eh, you know, anyway, um, <laughs> I think this episode though is the perfect formula for the best quantum leap episodes going forward. Mm. Uh, one genre episode. I know you can't do that every time because of, you know, considerations and writing and budget and everything. But to me, like, even if I don't necessarily love the specific genre that it's in, I love the genre episodes that it leans into. This particular episode was shot on the USS Iowa. Is that right? That is correct. It was shot on the Iowa, but it takes place on the Montana. Yes, exactly. Um, So shot on the USS Iowa. And just like from like right away, like the camera work, it, it's just like, oh, you can tell like they are actually on, you know, they are actually on a ship because like, it's just because like the camera work they have to do, uh, you know, a lot of handheld cameras, a lot of like very low angles on everyone. 
Yeah. Uh, it, it really, it, it really jumps out at you. Um, I love that the leap story and the HQ story are perfectly in sync with each other and it all, and it all lean towards that. Um, I think the most successful episodes of this new series so far ha- has done almost exactly that, or if not like elements of it. Um, right. Oh, you have a little faith. Like even though Ben and Addison are separated from each other, everything that they're talking about back at the project, it, it, it perfectly ties in with the story for, for the most part, uh, leap die repeat, obviously. Right. And so I, I think this, I, I think this matches it. And I love like anytime, like they've done this with, uh, with magic and the pilot, like anytime magic is able to come in with just his knowledge and, and he's able to be a part of the story. I really love that. I really appreciate that. Um, one, I love that this story hones in so much on Addison, but just mm-hmm. the fact that they chose one person to hone in on and like make it like a really deeply personal story for them. Last week it was very much with Ben. This week was very much with Addison. Um, yeah. And a couple of weeks ago, we, we, you know, we had Ian, oh, Ian. Yeah. in a similar yeah, position. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the last couple episodes on the quantum leap podcast, Matt Dale has, you know, he's compared it to the next generation in that the next generation really started to find their voice when they realized like, like the, the successful episodes are ones like they just hone in on one character every mm-hmm. episode instead of like trying to like fit all of the crew in. Right. And so I, I think like that's the form of this one, like pick one of the main cast, you know, Ben Addison, someone back at HQ focus on them make it a deeply personal story uh, or at least, a, you know, like, you know, deeply personal, but a personal story. And yeah. Um, for, I know you can't do this every time. I think this episode works so well because they got Brandon Routh in it. Like get a big name guest star. Yeah. As often as you can. To really help drive it home. I am almost all the way caught up with poker face. And mm. that's one of like the little joys of it is like every episode, like you're getting, one yeah. or two, one or two, you know, like bigger name or like well-known guest right. stars to come in from outside. So bring in a guest star that we can automatically root for or one that we can root against, you know, depending on what the story is. But uh, but I love it. And then if you're going to do a serialized story, and I think a serialized story is always going to be a part of this series, just make it just a little little nugget at the end of the episode to, to drive the story forward. Mm-hmm. Don't need to make a meal out of it. I know like some episodes you're going to have to focus on it more, but like for the most part, just like bring in a little thing to like keep us going until the next episode. Have some thoughts on Martinez. Me too. Me. Yeah. Uh, that is a, a something. And, uh, you know, we allude to it in, in our interview with, uh, Caitlin and Dean, we were able to get a hold of the script for this episode, uh, a few days beforehand. We've been told that the screener was going to come late. So at one point, <laughs> Sam, we thought that that's how we you, were going to do the episode. Sam, yeah. You and me talked about it, like, you know what? If we just get it so, if we just get the screener so later, don't get it all before the episode. Like, why don't we just we'll, we'll just do an episode based on the script? We can do it. Yeah, we'll swing. Right, it. We'll swing. Right. It. Um, the Martinez reveal worked a lot better for me on screen than it did on the page, and I'll get more into the reason why. Interesting. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that that is basically. M- like I said, like why I think this is the perfect formula for quantum leap going forward. That will serve as my, my non-spoiler thoughts. Nice. That was, 
Yeah, I really, I, I could keep listening to you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so let's let's go ahead and dive into spoilers. Um, I, you know, I, I took I took notes, but at the same time, I don't necessarily know that I took quite as exhaustive or um, specific n- notes as, as I'll sometimes mm-hmm. take for episodes, um, which was interesting to me. And I think part of that is just because, like, the the story, especially the stuff you know on the battleship, which we spend a lot of time on the battleship. We don't mm. spend quite as much time at the project, maybe as we do in other episodes. I'd have to, I, I'd be interested to see the breakdown because maybe I'm completely wrong, but it felt to me like we spent more time on the battleship um, than we did, you know, ratio wise with the project as we do with normal epi- with other episodes. And and one of the things that I think was. Uh, so great about that is how propulsive it was and how the, you know, how active everything felt and how there seemed to be kind of like a threat lurking around every corner. Um, and much in the same way that family style, it's odd to actually draw a parallel to that episode considering how different they do feel in some ways. But, uh, it's, it's like burning down the restaurant early, right? That, um, you know, that feels like something that this episode does a lot of, you know, it burns down the restaurant a couple of times, Um, maybe (laughs) not quite as extreme. (laughs) What a a great metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Going forward, they burned down the restaurant early. Um, Yeah. We have, we have dynamite down the manhole and burning down the restaurant (laughs) early. Those are our metaphors. Uh, yeah. So, um, but, but all of that said, um, I, you know, we right away, uh, again, I just, I, I felt drawn in and, um, you know, the, the, the threat seemed real, the disorientation that Ben has, um, with, you know, it's like, are we going to war? And then realizing that it was all just a war game, uh, I think is, it's played very, very well. Um, and the thing that is, is, is wonderful is that, you know, Dean even will say later is that there, he felt like there weren't a lot of opportunities for humor in this episode, right? That, that it's a pretty heavy episode all around. And that's true. However, There are some, there are, there are like at least three that, that I can think of off the top of my head, very humorous moments in this episode. And of course they all come pretty much from Raymond, from, from Ben. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, he's got a couple of great lines, a couple of, you know, just wonderful expressions on his face. And of course the chase that happens later, mm-hmm. <laughs> just like that. It, it was so funny because yeah. like as the chase started, there was a part of me that was just sort of like, how are they going to do this? Like he's getting mm-hmm. chased through the underbelly of a battleship. Oh, Oh, we're going to get some laughs out of it. All right, cool. Um, but all of that said, it was just so easy to be, you know, just to be sucked into the episode, um, right mm-hmm. off the bat. Um, I, I, when we get to seeing these people, right. To seeing, um, the, the, the CO to, to seeing the XO, um, y- you know, right off the bat, I think we get a good sense of who, Captain Drake is. We get, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we don't get uh, a necessarily a strong sense of who uh, Commander Augustine is yet, but we also don't know that that's who that is, which I thought was also really lovely. The way that we don't see his name tag until right before Addison makes the reveal, and it's mm-hmm. kind of cool because it's one of those things where if you're really paying attention, you'll see it and you'll be like, maybe you can make the connection in time, but you mm-hmm. might not. Right. You might not until Addison actually says something. Um, but again, I thought the reveal that it was, you know, that it was her father was, was really well done too. Um, and, and I just, yeah, I, 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 I thought that the opening of the episode was incredibly well done and very strong. And, um, there were certainly no goon with a gun moments. 
There were certainly no girls. <laughs> I was just thinking, I, I hadn't thought about it until you said it, like like the fake out at the beginning of, of Ben actually thinking that they're war. This is the first uh, fake out that's actually been believable. And I'm talking about the okay. old series. I'm talking about the old series. Like sure, yeah, Disco, yeah. Infer- Disco Inferno. Oh. <laughs> Sam actually thinks he's on a dance floor and he thinks a guy pulls out a shotgun and shoots him. And then it turns out he's a stuntman on a movie set. He never sees the cameras like beforehand. Moments to live, same thing. He actually thinks he's a doctor in a hospital. Doesn't see that there's entirely no fourth wall at all in the right, whole camera right. crew on the other side of it. This is the first fake out that is actually like, oh, yes, they're actually they're actually firing weapons. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's a really great point. Um, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. But uh, – and, 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 you know, let's face it. They – we're able to get on that ship and shoot this episode on that mm-hmm. ship. And they take full advantage of that. I felt like it just feels so real. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I've, I, I, I've never served in the military that said, I've actually spent some time on an aircraft carrier before. Uh, I've been on a submarine before I, you know, and, and, and like, there are moments as I was watching this, I was just sort of like, yeah, that, that takes me back to those moments, like mm-hmm. being, you know, on, uh, on uh, these ships. And, and, and I really appreciated that sense of verisimilitude, you know, it just, it, it puts you there. And as you mentioned earlier with the camera work, there are times when it does feel very claustrophobic. Um, and there are a couple of moments, honestly, especially some scenes between Ben and Addison, when I wished we could have gotten more of their faces because sometimes, mm-hmm. you, you know, just due to the lighting and due to the camera, like we're, we're only seeing maybe half of their face. We're not even getting like three sure. quarters. We're just, you know, really only getting that half or even like a quarter of their face. And after last week, it, you know, comparisons to death of joy. So I don't want to, you know, talk this to that, but, uh, after last week with those beautiful moments of like those wonderful close-ups that we got to rest on like Mason and Alice's faces during, you know, the, that scene between Rachel mm. and Ian, uh, it's, it, it was like something when there were a couple of times when I was like, Oh, I just, I, I want, I want their face. I want to see their whole face. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, you know, maybe that's a small sacrifice to be made because again, that sense of like, uh, claustrophobia, that sense of, of being packed in tight, it ratcheted up the tension even more. And I really uh-huh. appreciated that. Absolutely. And like I said, just like for the camera work, like I'm not, I haven't like, uh, what, what, what genre would you call this? Like, like hunt for red October. Yeah. Military thriller, military thriller, (laughs) like specifically on a naval action thriller. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically on a naval ship though. Um, like those aren't aren't exactly my favorite genre and I haven't seen a lot of them, but I like the camera work. I was like, Oh, this is, this is very much a genre episode. Which, right. uh, which, like I said, I really appreciate. I really appreciate uh, the mirror image, like the one mirror image shot. It yeah. was one of the best mirror image shots they've had in recent memory because it was just like a reflective service, uh, uh, surface in the yeah. hall somewhere. But I really, yeah, I really appreciated that. Uh, I really appreciated that moment. Yeah. Well, and again, the the way that they just made use of the space in so many ways, mm-hmm. even, you know, um, Addison's dad's office, for instance, you know, his, his mm-hmm. room. Um, I, it, it just, I don't know. There was something about that that I really, really loved, um, you know, being on the bridge, like, uh, especially at the end, um, with, with Addison's, you know, monologue to her dad, like, 
making use mm -hmm. of the space in the way that they did, it felt so right for this episode. And I'm not going to spoil this, but there are some comments that Dean makes later on about how this episode came to be. And it was mm -hmm. almost hard for me to believe in some ways because of how natural and effortless a lot of the episode feels. Um, and I, 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 it's just, it's absolutely to be commended for that. I mean, even some of the special effects shots, which, you know, spoiler, two of the big ones are actually from the film Battleship. You know, they weren't created for the episode. You know, I did not know that until he brought it up. And I was like, how? Like, I know there's like television on a budget. So I'm like, how did they get those? Oh, okay. All right. Right. <laughs> but then, yeah. But but here's the thing. It was seamless, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and I'm not trying to throw shade. It was like 1990. So what are you going to do? But like looking back at, at an episode like Disco Inferno, for instance, and those earthquake shots that are used in Disco Inferno, it's like painfully obvious for sure. <laughs> that they're but using also, this you know, footage. Yes. But also to, to like give it a little bit more fairness, like they reuse a shot of Field of Dreams in Bully Paul. It's pretty seamless. Yes, great point. Um, they, great point. Uh, I think they reused a shot of Poltergeist and another mother, like an establishing shot. Um, more specifically, the entire like car chase action sequence at the end of Piano Man, all of that was borrowed from a Don Belisario movie that he had just directed a year or two before that episode. So, uh, and, and so not in to fairness, be too it works. At, yeah. I was going to say, not to be too nitpicky, but I feel like that is, is a great parallel compared to the other two. And the reason why I say this is other two, that's kind of like static stuff, right? Like oh, yeah, know, we're showing sure. a field, we're showing it. But, but you make a great, great comment about that because you're right. That, that scene in Piano Man, it feels kind of like the FX, you know, of, of that episode in a way. And so I, I, I yeah, I, again, I'm not trying to like throw shade at the, at, at the original series, but, uh, but I do love and appreciate how seamless these effects shots were with the episode. Mm -hmm. Um, as a whole, um, you know, obviously the fact that it's nighttime and, you know, that sort of stuff could certainly aid in that, I would imagine from a production mm -hmm. standpoint, but, uh, um, but it was, it was great. And it, it certainly fooled me. I thought that they had done it and I was certainly thinking like, how the hell did they pull that off? Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and now of course we know, um, go, going to the project, Man, some of the present day stuff, it's, it's interesting because while it might not have been as loaded with character moments as some of the present day stuff that we've seen recently with like, um, you know, family style or, uh, uh, uh oh my goodness. Um, think I repeat, let no. them play. Let Making them play. Up, so. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like 14 other episodes. <laughs> yeah. We we're, were going to get there eventually. Uh, yeah. even though it might not have felt quite as character focused in, in, in the same way as those, um, it was so integral to the leap as a whole and it felt so very connected. And the neat thing is, is it felt connected in a unique way because rather than it being, we need to figure out some information to pass on to Ben, which was kind of a part of it. It almost felt like this weird sort of, you know, loop where the, the, the present day was informing the past, which was informing the present, which, you know, it was this really interesting. Uh -huh. And I felt like it was fairly subtle in some ways, but the way that it kind of like dealt with, with the mechanics of time travel as it exists on this show was really cool without having to be like this overt, like, you know, this is how this works sort of thing. Um, uh -huh. We did get the great line. For, oh, go ahead. 
No, go ahead. I think I know where you're going, but I'll. I'll I was just say we do get the great Back to the Future reference from Jen, which Ian has the wonderful Mm -hmm. retort about like Easy McFly. You know, that's that's how this works, and and I love the fact that they even say they go so far as to say, you know, it takes major changes in a person's life to have an impact on their loved ones downstream, Um, and I, you know, and I think that that's Mm -hmm. something that people have been curious about, right? And certainly after Let Them Play, the moment when Ian remembers what happened with Gia that didn't happen in the original history. It's, I I love the fact that this stuff is being put in, in smaller ways that we don't have to have somebody sit down, uh, you know, with a whiteboard behind them and explain to us in detail how time travel works on this show. Right. Cause like, I Mm -hmm. just, the, the show, in my opinion, if you do that, the show just comes to a full stop. Right. I get it. What what I like, yeah, two things I love about that. I love how Back to the Future is shorthand just in our <laughs> culture for because like in our in our watch party last week, you were trying to explain something, uh, like your point of view about something to uh, to Jason, I think it was, and then I just interjected and I'm like, it's Biff going back to give the sports almanac yep. to young Biff. I was like, that's it. That's uh, that's that's the hook. That's how you explain yeah. that right there. Um, and I, because like I, I do feel like that maybe that that needed to be explained to newer viewers as an older viewer of the classic series. I don't feel like that needed to be explained to me because like that, that was just a given in, in the original quantum leap that, you know, you're, you're going to make specific changes in this person's life, but it's not going to cause like a huge butterfly effect. Well, look, and to me, the biggest example of that, um, and, 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 and there have been some people that have asked that, those types of questions at times. But the biggest example that, that, that I would like to point out is, is Al. You know, the fact that yeah. Sam gets Beth and Al back together is a huge change for him. Absolutely. And yet, as far as we know, and certainly by all appearances, nothing really changes for him in his direction in life after that, other than the fact that he has kids. Right. And stays married to this woman, which is life was probably certainly happier in some ways. But as we've talked about on the show before, he probably still suffered from alcoholism. He probably still Mm -hmm. suffered from PTSD after Vietnam. He probably, you know, there were still all these issues. It's just now the circumstances are a little different in that he's with Beth and they have kids. And I think that that's kind of important to remember. He still met Sam. He still was on the project. He was still an admiral in the Navy. He was still, you know, all this stuff still happened in spite of that major change. And I think that that's one of those things that like, yeah, thinking about this episode in particular with the stuff that happens with Addison's dad, it's important to kind of keep that in mind. Yeah. The thing I would have loved, and I, I realized like, they couldn't have done this for so many reasons, because one, it would have just opened up a whole can of worms. But I would have loved if Ian had said, well, we know this because in the original history, I was this, I was this, but then Sam right. did this and blah, blah, blah. And then just lay it all out. I'd be like, oh, but then you open up this whole can of worms of Janice sitting exists in the original timeline. And then, and then you got to explain that. So, right. I wonder, so yeah. so I, I still wonder, it's a, it's, it's, it's a weird theory to have, but sometimes I wonder if, if the only people that know that that's actually the case are Beth and Janice perhaps. And that's one of the reasons why Janice mm. has problems with her mom. But anyway, uh, <laughs> there's another really wonderful moment that happens early on after Addison comes back to, to let Ben know about, uh, what they need to do because Ben is kind of like pushing for like, maybe I can, fix things with, you know, with your dad and, 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 and save his career and save his relationship with you and all this sort of stuff. And she goes so far as to literally say, fate put you here to save the lives of those 
men, those sailors. And I love the fact that fate being, you know, name dropped in that way, it, it feels important to me. Uh, and it's something that we'll talk about later, so I don't want to belabor it, but I just really enjoyed that that's something that we heard. And then, of course, magic later mm-hmm. on towards the end of the show has some stuff that felt very akin to God, time, fate, or whatever as well. Um, and I just thought that those were really lovely kind of nods to also opening up the possibility that there are larger forces at work with what's happening here, that it's not just a program that Ben, you know, put into Ziggy to get, get him leaping. Mm-hmm. My mind went a couple different places there. Like, <laughs> like one, it's, it's very much the opposite of Al asking Sam to save his marriage with Beth and MIA where Addison could have very much been in the position of say like, yeah, talk to him. And like, even in our interview with Caitlin, right. like she had some, she had some questions like, why, why is Ben not doing that? Um, so that's an interesting juxtaposition between Al and Addison and that what Al asked Sam to do and what Addison does not ask Excellent Ben point. to do. Yeah. Um, I had another thought, but it's also nine thirty at night, so maybe it'll come <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe back to me. And but well, I, I will say, and I'm I'm gonna go a little geeky, timey, wimey here. But go for this it. Is where, like later on in our interview, where I thought where Dean was going, we made the comment like he feels like you would think that changes further back in time would cause bigger ripple effects than sooner. But then he come to think of it a different way. I I sometimes. Um, I remember like specifically 112263, the Stephen King novel, where mm, uh, mm-hmm. like the timeline does not want to be changed. Time, uh, the past is obdurate. It does not want to be changed. Like how many times is that phrase put in that book? And the yeah. further back you make changes in time, like maybe it's the thing like the timeline keeps trying to correct itself, weaving things along the way to put things in the order that they should be but changes closer to the present have a bigger impact because it takes the timeline longer to repair itself. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It does. I, 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 and I, and I like that theory, um, you know, and I, and, and it kind of goes along with something that I had thought uh, um, in, in just thinking about the episode and what I want to say about it is it's like that idea that like when you throw a stone into the pond, right, there are ripples, but after a while, those what happens? Those ripples fade and they go away. And, and and so it kind of I think it plays nicely with what you're saying is that like that there's that immediate effect. Right. But eventually the water's calm again. And if you look at time as being that pond, like there's that immediate effect when you make that change. But eventually it calms. And and and, and I so I, I, I like I, I like that perspective uh a, a lot you know and we'll see how that plays obviously in the show um if you know if that's the direction they go or not but um it was just the 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 thing again that i that i appreciated about the episode is that we there's there's so many like rug pulled out from under you moments you know we're told initially that um addison's dad uh ignored the calls, uh, the, the, you know, the SOS to go rescue these sailors. We find out that's not the case at all, you know, that it was, that it was Captain Drake and that Addison's dad actually wanted to do it. You know, Alexander wanted to go. And I love the moment that that discovery takes place and Addison's reaction to it. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was, it was just like, yeah, it was just a great moment. It's like, Oh shit, he did the right thing, you know? And it's Mm -hmm. interesting too, because 
looking at it uh, from that perspective, there's this interesting take that you could have, in my opinion, about he did the right thing the original in the original history. He just did the right thing in the wrong way. You know, he did this thing to protect Captain Drake, this father figure. He did this thing that, that attended to the needs of the few, you know, to borrow uh, a line from Star Trek. We're not a Star Trek podcast, as opposed <laughs> to attending to the needs of the many. And now they're able to make these changes. Ben is able to make these affect these changes where Alexander is able to attend to the needs of the many as opposed to the needs of the one and the few. And I think that that's really actually a beautiful thing because it's it. it I think it drives home the point in some ways to Addison that he wasn't a bad guy that he didn't do the wrong thing that he didn't cost, you know, he tried to save somebody else's life while unfortunately costing, you know, these, these other people, their lives. And so now they get to set that right. And I think that that to me, that's the point of the episode, right? Is, is or that not, that's not the point of the episode, excuse me, but that's the mission here. It's not to save Addison's dad. It's not to, you know, make sure he stays in the Navy or make sure that he stays with the family or any of that sort of stuff. Uh-huh. It's to save these sailors. It's just that the discoveries that Addison is able to make about her father along the way, that's like the emotional core. And it's, and it's, and it's just really well done. Sure. And I don't even think, I don't even think it's ever implied that Addison thinks her dad is a bad person, just very complicated, not great. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't even think it's ever stated like they're not in contact. You know, it's not like um, Colonel Wojohowicz abandoning Donna's family where like never saw them again kind of thing. I just imagine it like they may still be in each other's life, but it's more of an estranged estranged relationship she gets a birthday card you know but i but yeah i I don't see it as being particularly they're not not talking on a regular basis but they know but she knows like basically where he is and that he does still exist it's not like a totally drop right face of the earth kind of thing great point yes i i agree i agree um the sense of humor of the episode, again, uh, there was the, the funny moment where Addison has the line, I don't know, I was in the army, which is that wonderful, like, metafictional moment, too, where it's like, yes, that, mm-hmm. the, you know, that, that's Caitlin, right? It's, 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 yep. it's also Addison, but that's also Caitlin. Um, uh, I, I, the editing work in the episode, I feel like, is so well done, too. Like, the way that the, the, the episode flows, the shots, you know, all, everything kind of flows, uh, uh, made a lot of sense. And it helped in those moments when things, when things felt a little bit more quiet. We got to take a pause and it was really nice. And that showed in the way that the episode itself was literally like structurally put together with, with the editing of, of, of what they shot. Mm-hmm. And then of course, when things pick back up, it's, you know, it's, it's bam, bam, bam. And, and, and it just, it felt like it was done very, very well. It didn't, it, it ne- never felt too frenetic. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But it's never lost its intensity and the tension and the pace. And I appreciate that because sometimes I think it's so easy, like the shorthand for that is usually this real frenetic kind of, you know, jump cut sort of stuff that we see a lot of times, especially in sure. like, you know, in, in action films and that sort of stuff. And this was not that. And I really appreciated that. It's funny because now I'm thinking about it. I finished season two of Picard. I'm way behind. I'm going to start season three uh, tonight, I think actually. But anyway, uh, and there's a scene, I believe, in the last episode or the second to last episode of the season that is exactly the the wrong, not the wrong, but the, the less effective way for me personally sure. that I'm talking about, where it felt frenetic as opposed to feeling intense, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and having that, that, that tension stretched. Um, sure. The... Uh, 
the stuff back, you know, again at the at the project with magic, we get we get to see magic do a little bit more in this episode instead of just, you know, being the paternal figure. Um, we get a little bit more of a sense of the respect that he holds outside of the project of the agency that he kind of has as a character. Um, not that we haven't seen some of that before, but this feels less tied to kind of his quest, you know, to bring Sam home Mm -hmm. and feels more tied to the fact that like magic can go out there and do stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. he doesn't necessarily need to have Jen with him. He doesn't necessarily, I love it when she is because I love their banter, but like it's, it's, it was really nice to kind of see him go out there and do this and have this wonderful conversation with his Chinese counterpart. Um, which I thought was, you, you know, again, the conversation was really well done because it, it added to the gravity of the situation. And it was also this incredible reminder of how the leaps are kind of messy, right? That the consequences of Ben even attempting to change history could have like grave implications Uh for the future. Uh And in this case, we're literally talking about starting like world war Uh three, like, and and it's funny because has Ben not leapt back to change anything at all, that never would have happened. Right. But by him Uh being there and trying to make things right, Uh they risk pretty heavy you know, on Mm -hmm. this episode. And I really like that. I like it. The thing I appreciate though, about this being a genre episode is that you never think that's actually going to happen. You know what I mean? Like they're they're not going to take it that way. With a genre episode, you know that everything is going to be wrapped up in a fairly traditional way. And I'm not saying that it's a bad way in this, in this case, because it's like, for me, like the entire, you know, all of the action pieces and, you know, everything about, you know, preventing the ship from sinking and, and World War Three from breaking out. Like that was the background. And, and really, this was more about Kate and uh, not Kate, uh, Addison and her dad's story. Yeah. At least it was for me. You know, it's like, sorry, we got the threat of World yeah. War Three, but we know we know World War Three is not going to actually happen in this episode we know that they're going to save the people in this episode that's not in question they are not going to burn the restaurant down early right right yes and that's an excellent point and and i will add to that i'll take that one step further in saying that the wonderful thing is is that they come up with a very cool way to get out of it though a way that works that makes sense that feels mm-hmm. like it you know it, it it follows one kind of after the other it doesn't feel like they just pulled a rabbit out of the hat or there's deus ex machina or anything like that like it mm-hmm. feels yep. and that's the thing too like as much as i love cherish doctor who every, you know everyone who listens to podcast knows that there's a lot of episodes of doctor who where quite frankly the resolution is is that pretty much just a rabbit out of the hat yeah. Diamite down a manhole. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. this, it's like, it's really cool. It's very inventive. I love the way that they figure out the way out of the minefield. I love the way that they figure, you know, it, like it's, it's, it's done very well. And, and this, and again, the stakes feel real, even though, like you said, we know that they're not going to start World War Three, right? But, but yeah, it's done, it's done so well that it, it almost doesn't matter that we know that that's the the eventual outcome Uh because it's so much fun seeing how they get there. And to your point, that's not really what the episode's about anyway. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Which is, you know, which, which, yeah, which is, which is perfect. Um, Yeah. The, uh, uh, the conversation, again, just going back real quick to the conversation between Magic and Liu Wei, like, it was just so well done. Kelvin Han Yi plays his Chinese counterpart Liu Wei. And like, I, really enjoyed the nature of their conversation because it had 
it had gravitas. It felt important, Mm -hmm. you know, to these two men to be having this conversation 30 some years later, being able to have this conversation 30 some years later. And the effect that it has on magic is important because it goes so far as I feel it compels him to tell Jen, uh, you know, to, to quote Martin Luther King Jr. to, to about, you know, the, um, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And that he says he doesn't think that these leaps are random. And he kind of implies without coming right out and saying it, he kind of implies God, time, fate or whatever. And it's, and it's just a really cool moment. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. And it felt earned. Felt yes. earned. That's what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. It wasn't just fan service have... to like imply that. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, every, yeah. Everything, like you said, there's no rabbit out of the hat. Everything felt earned. Everything wrapped up in a way that made sense within the universe of the show. Uh, but yeah, the, but again, like the, the meat of this story though, was really about Addison learning more about her dad and coming to an understanding of who he was. Yeah. Yes. And, and the monologue she has to him and the reason why it was so powerful for me, it moved me to tears, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it genuinely did. And I, and I, and, and, and the fact that I had the opportunity to be able to actually say that to Caitlin and Dean, you know, mm-hmm. it, it meant a lot to me, especially with where I'm at right now, quite frankly. Um, she says the words, you know, whatever your dad had, it stops with you. Mm-hmm. And, and Caitlin is much more eloquent about it than I can be. So go listen to what she has to say, but uh, which you'll hear later on in this episode. That sense of understanding, that mm-hmm. sense of empathy, that sense of compassion. Again, echoing the comments I just made about magic, it's so well earned. Mm-hmm. Getting to see her father in this situation, this pivotal moment in his life, without necessarily being there to change that, right? Like, yeah, it's a byproduct. Things happen a little differently. But basically everything that happened afterwards in the, in the original history still happens, you know, unfortunately it's a, it's a scene that, that wasn't, I I don't, I can't remember if Dean said it was filmed and cut or if it just was unfilmed, but we find out through that unfilmed scene, like he, he, he still leaves the Navy. He still leaves the family. He's still like everything that happens still happens. Right. And because, and because of that, like there's this notion to me that, it's not about getting a happy ending necessarily so much as it is being able to gain that understanding, gain that empathy and that compassion. And in doing so, like it, it has that, it has a softening effect, right? And it gives you peace. It gives you peace of mind. It gives you, you know, it, mm-hmm. it makes your heart feel a little bit more whole where there once was this void. Now it can kind of be filled with, with empathy and compassion and understanding as opposed to being, you know, filled with bitterness, you know, and maybe even a little anger yeah. and frustration and dare I say hatred, sure. you know? And, and, and so it was, it was a moment that spoke to me and I think uh-huh. we'll speak to a lot of other people. And I, and I thought that Caitlin just knocked it right out of the park, you know? I think so. And, um, she's very graceful in mm-hmm. her comments later, but yes, mm-hmm. just, in, just incredible work. Really, really wonderful yeah. work. Yeah. What I love, and this is true of like all really good time travel stories, and I think this is why I'm drawn to time travel story so much, is that they're, they, they just become a great metaphor for, uh, 
for life and for the human condition. And the, the scene at, at the end of the monologue that she gives, it, it's such a, it's this wonderful metaphor of being able to look back at a parent who's about the same age as you are now. And you see them less as a parent figure and more of a, uh, Sibling is not the right word, but it's the closest thing that I can, a spiritual sibling, maybe, where you're able to see them more as an equal, as opposed to a parent that you, uh, that from when you're a kid, you know, you just, you naturally put them up on a pedestal, but you're able to look back at them and give them this uh, understanding and grace. And it's, um, there, there's this, I, the spiritual idea in Reiki, uh, which is part of the massage therapy world, that um, it, it is possible to send like healing energy like back and forth like through through time between people. And so I'm getting really esoteric here. Um, but it's not just about healing yourself, but it's also in a way to to provide healing for the spirit of the parent that you are if not forgiving, at least coming to an understanding of who they were. Yeah. I think that's a lovely way to put it. And I think that that is absolutely what we see happen here to the point that, yeah. you know, she says it's all going to be okay. And he says it's all going to be okay. Yeah. And, but um, even still the same stuff does happen. Yeah. It's still going to be right. Okay. It's acceptance, right? There's a level mm-hmm. of acceptance there, and I think that that's important. And 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 it, it, it you know it's that humanizing effect. Um, mm-hmm. Here's a here's a weird yeah. Ernie Hudson connection, real quick. Uh, even though I know it didn't originate there, but there's a line in the Crow that Brandon Lee's character has about how mothers uh, the name for God on the lips of of, of small children, and uh, that's the thing, right? Like parents are in 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 a weird way are, are deified by their children. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's almost impossible for that not to be the case. So for Addison to have that moment of being able to just completely humanize her father, um, it, it creates a, a connection, right? It puts them, mm-hmm. just like you were saying, it puts them side by side instead of one looking up at the other. Because the, the weird thing is, is, you know, as a parent, like there are times when I'm looking up to the kids even, you know what I mean? Uh, Knowing that they're also looking up to me, but there are times when I put them on a pedestal. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyway, I I, I thought, yeah, I just thought that, that that it was, again, it was really well earned and it was well achieved. And, um, you know, talking with Dean and Caitlin, it's clear that this will have an impact. You know, this is not Mm -hmm. just like this, this, this wonderful moment this one-off kind of thing. We're not going to hit the Star Trek reset button. Uh, you know, that this is mm-hmm. going to have, it is going to have ripples, you, you know, uh, um, you know, certainly for Caitlin, you know, as an actor and, and, and the way that she approaches the character, which is really cool. And you'll get to hear her talk about that. Um, you know, we haven't talked a whole lot just because again, so much of the, the, the focus of the episode, I think is on, you know, Brandon and Caitlin in a lot of ways. And, and obviously Raymond, we haven't talked a whole lot about Ben, but Ben just has so many great moments throughout the course of this episode. And I feel like there's, this wonderful sense of like 
it's never made explicit or overt in my opinion, but the, the, the amount of compassion and kindness that he shows his significant other throughout the course of the episode, I think is really wonderful. And it's, he approaches things with, with this great sensitivity, um, to the point that sometimes like, you know, Addison is literally the one saying like, that's not what we're here to do. You know, I appreciate it, but that's not what we're here to do. And yet he picks up on those cues and finds other ways to kind of be helpful. And again, he has that wonderful agency that I, that I love to see with him. He's not just waiting for orders from Addison necessarily. Um, and his yeah. sense of humor, you know, in this, in this but very heavy sense episode, of humor, that sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of his sense of humor, Sam, if I were to ask you a dumb question, would it distract you? Not at all. I'm just repeating a nice. line that, that Raymond actually has in the episode, which if that was in the script, I missed it. <laughs> Uh, but yes, it totally took me by surprise when I was watching the episode. I was like, Oh wow. I, I love that. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah. as far as yeah. humor goes, that, yeah. was, that was my favorite. That was my favorite moment in the episode. Well, that, and that's the thing anyway. I love that. I love that, the, that, that, the breakout scene, if you will, the way that, the, the way that he breaks, you know, Addison's dad out, like it, it, it is, mm-hmm. it's like infused with humor, like from that moment to the, to the, to the, uh, to the chase itself, like all of that sort of stuff. And yet, and yet again, one of the things that, that, I, that, that he does so incredibly well, and it's such a fine line. And it is something that I think he does kind of have in common with Scott is that like, he is able to never, um, betray the seriousness uh, of the episode mm-hmm. of the story that they're telling by utilizing that sense of humor and also never, you know, he never gets so down deep in that hole of all the seriousness that they're dealing with all this heaviness on top of him that he can't mm-hmm. have an opportunity to, you know, to, to, to express that, that sense of humor as well. And it's just, it's, it's lovely. And, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I thought there were some really cool moments in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about Walker. Uh, so the communications so it, officer Walker. Um, mm-hmm. So what's it's funny is like reading the reading the script. Um, I'm sure you picked up on it too. Like I picked up on it immediately. Like we knew from the promo photos that Martinez was going to show up in here, but I think the way it was described in the script of. It, the the first time Ben talks to Walker um, over the the communication system, like he has this feeling, like he knows this person and that they're friends. Yeah. And then, of course, if you know to expect it, which, by the way, you viewer, even though you have not read the script, being a fan of the show, I am sure you saw Walter Perez's name in the opening credits of the show. Which I just, right, it, it's a fact of life for for any TV show network or otherwise. I hate the fact when you have a character in the show that it's supposed to be a twist, but you know it's coming because you see their name in the credits at the beginning of the episode. Anyway, um, so sure. anyway, you, yeah, you know he's you know he's coming, um, but it was just like yeah, knowing like every time he's talking to Walker over the over the communication system that that's who he's talking to. It's just like it it begs so many questions of. And I don't even think to me it wasn't clear at the end of the episode whether Martinez knew the entire time that it was Ben on the other side. 
Yeah. Okay. So you brought up a lot of great stuff. And I think that the, the, the fascinating thing to me is, is that there's this, there's this wonderful sense of dramatic irony that we, you know, might know or deduce early on, whether it's because we see his name in the credits, whether it's because we saw the pictures, uh, the promo photos, whether it's because, you know, in our case, we, we obviously had a bit of a heads up, if you will. Um, the fact that Ben doesn't know, I still like, it still caused me to kind of enjoy and relish those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the device of using it that they're, that they're only communicating basically over, you know, over phone or, or speaker, uh, on the ship. And then at the end, when we do finally get the full reveal, um, you know, Ben's, Ben's reaction is, is it, it's very interesting to me. Um, cause he's completely taken off guard by it. Now, the thing about Martinez is, <sighs> I, yes, I'm left with a lot of questions. And it's interesting because I, there is a part of me that wanted more, that I, I wanted to know just a little bit more, right? Because mm-hmm. instead we just get this, you know, uh, you helped me accomplish my mission. What do you mean I helped mm-hmm. you? You know, you helped me. Uh, you know, that's why I'm going to win, however it was played. And it's just kind of like, ooh, I, but on the flip side of that, how cool is it that I want more, right? Like I'm, I'm hooked. Like I want to know what the hell's going on here. Um, yeah. The thing that made this work for me better seeing it on screen than on the page is one Martinez is noticeably older. Yeah. Noticeably older. Uh, and they even like they really show that when they show the flashback to to salvation or bust, and and but here's the thing: I also felt like Martinez looked older in What a Disaster, like not as old as he does in this episode, but mm. I feel like he looked older in What a Disaster than he did in Salvation or Bust. And I don't think they're going there because you only got five episodes and it's too much of a twist. But I said this back during What a Disaster. I think it would be really interesting if you find in a later flashback scene that when Magic and Jen went to to him and his mom's house and he does this whole, oh, shucks, I just want to be a good officer kind of thing. What what if that was all a coy and he he's already been time traveling? I don't know. Like I said, that's a stretch. Yeah, I know it. That's a stretch, and I know it. Um, and the thing is, like, on the page, like, the line, and that's why I'm going to win, really didn't yeah. work for me. But, like, seeing it on the screen and, like, oh, yeah, they're standing on they're standing on the deck of a battleship, and this entire episode has been revolving around war games, and I'm going to win. I don't know. Uh, I right, don't know what right. it means. I don't know what it means, but it it works for me. I'm still not convinced that Martinez that Martinez is a is uh is a bad actor. And I I don't know if him and Ben even exactly have opposing missions. But Martinez is motiv- but Martinez is motivated to um to compete outdo been in some way yeah do you do you feel like because i know that this is something that's been expressed before and it's not it's not something that uh, you know has has affected me in this way at all um but because i know that there have been some people that have asked about it do you think we should know more about martinez by now 
and I hesitate to even say that because should I, I don't like to use shoulds in, in the context of this because you know we're not telling the story right. Um, but I'm just I'm curious I, you know, as to what you um, might think. It's I, I that's it's interesting because we know that Janice was Stephen and Brian's baby, like that was their idea when they started developing the 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 thing. Martinez was. Garrow's belief that they really needed to introduce a new leaper uh, to hook the audience. And maybe that wasn't necessary at all, because I think that the, the motivation was like to hook viewers in to get them. But then I think was it almost immediately after that episode aired or even before, right before that episode aired, was that when they announced that they had been picked up for a full season? No, because that would have been salvation or bust. Mm-hmm. When, when we saw him and we didn't get the we didn't get the full season order until like early December, I think. That's when they got picked up for season two. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm talking about season two. Yes, 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 yes. yes. But the yes, full, but they, you yeah, but they ended up getting yes. the full sorry. season yes. order before that episode right. aired. And uh, so all of that is to say, I, I feel like you have like creations from like two different entities, like Janice Martinez were their own thing. I don't even think they were ever like originally envisioned to be part of like the same serialized story. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how they weave them together. Like if we start, that's to get an interesting li- perspective. If uh, we start to get a little bit more of a nugget of Martinez or, or something as we, as, you know, like, you know, through the remaining what five episodes, I think it could come to a satisfying conclusion, but we will, we'll see what happens. No, that, I, I, I like that perspective a lot. And it's interesting to me. And, and one of the reasons why is because I think with out getting picked up or getting the extension, rather the season would already be over. Right. So if they didn't get the extension, they would have already had to tell the story that they were going to tell. Now, mm-hmm. They got the extension, so they didn't have to do that. And I think that that might be an important piece of context to remember when when you're hungry for more, when you're hungry for more uh, Leaper X or more Janice or more details about this or that or whatever. They got this this wonderful opportunity to tell more stories. And I think, if anything, what we've learned after the break is that they're doing a great job of telling stories. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. fellow travelers, leap, die, repeat, uh, let them play family style. And now SOS, like, again, they're just telling really good stories. And so it's interesting because like sometimes, you know, there, there were people early on that criticized the show for not being enough like the original quantum leap and not spending enough time with the actual leaps and not giving us the opportunity to get invested in the characters, et cetera, et cetera. And then you had people who were criticizing the fact that, you know, there didn't seem to be strong enough ties to, to the, the lore of the original and that sort of stuff. While, while, while neglecting the fact, of course, that Deborah Pratt is, is, is around. And, and, and as she even said, when she was on the show is like the keeper of the lore. And you can imagine that like, you know, she would be pulling her hair out if she felt like that there was not some sort of fidelity to the, the, uh, you know, the original in that way. Mm-hmm. And, and, and now of course you're also having people who are engaged and involved with this serialized storytelling that are becoming impatient. And, and that's the only way I know how to phrase it because again, we've still got, you know, four more episodes, 15, 16, 17, 18. So we've got four more episodes to go. And I, and I just think that, yeah, I, 
I'm happy with where we are in so many ways. And I think that there is definitely something to be said for being able to have kind of, and I don't know this because I, I, I haven't seen a script. I don't have any spoilers. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not speaking from a place of, of, of knowledge. This is just me guessing. But from what little I have heard, we're going to be able to get this like, you know, all out finale that just, you know, really hits us with all of this stuff and provides us with, you know, so many answers that we've been looking for while also hopefully asking more questions because that's kind of the point, right? So, yeah, I think that that's interesting and, and you do have to wonder, and this is pure speculation, that when you are kind of like trying to serve, um, you, you know, maybe different intents and different storytellers and, and, and coming mm-hmm. together and, and, and crafting, you know, this, this, this overall story out of maybe these disparate threads and what effect that might have. So, you know, that's, that's a good point that you brought up. Um, but overall, I've just, in, I've just enjoyed the opportunity to get mm-hmm. to know these characters, to get to see these leaps, to get to see, you know, what we've seen thus far. And so ultimately, that's a really long way of saying I wanted to know more, but I am perfectly okay with mm-hmm. not knowing more about what the hell Martinez was doing on that ship sure. while, you, you know, trying to complete this mission and basically having Ben help him. Like Ben helped him complete the mission. You know, we don't know why. We don't know how. We don't know what. You know, but like, why? Well, I mean, Martinez said, I couldn't have done it without you. And so it'll be really interesting going forward to see when their paths cross next, because I don't think, and again, I don't know, I don't think we're going to see him next week for, um, Ben Song for the defense. I don't yeah. think we're going to see that. Uh, I mean, when, yeah, I have a feeling I, that Mar- Leaper X is going to get the week off. <laughs> sure. I mean, when I say like, I want to know more about Leaper X, like, it doesn't even need to be like he actually to literally appear. Like, I just want there to be a conversation in the next episode at HQ. Oh, sure. Like, okay. Oh, oh, like, oh, like, you know, Fair. like Ziggy picked him up. Like, we, you know, we, you know, even though Addison wasn't physically with Ben or, you know, like in his centered on him, like Ziggy picked up on the fact that Martinez was there. Um, which, by the way, we should probably also acknowledge, like, that's why they wrote the line into the script about Ziggy's running slow. Like, to me, like, that was the justification for why Ziggy wasn't picking up Martinez. Or was that just to be like so Ziggy couldn't provide information about the actual main plot of of the submarine? Could be both. I mean, that's a really great point, mm-hmm. and I and I do wonder. You know, I wonder if uh, if maybe the reason why Ziggy was running slow is because Martinez is there, or that too. Like that would be kind of interesting in and of itself. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot. I, I think we've got we've got a lot to think about when it comes to kind of our arc. Um, yeah. You know what it means to have Martinez in this episode. Yeah. Now that being said, I'm going to get back on my bullshit from last week a little bit. I just want to mention a Janice. I just want to know where she's at. I just want to know where she's at. She's. I almost said something I shouldn't. Um, don't, 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 no, if, I, you, if you know, don't tell me. But, you know, like, is, is she still in holding at, 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 at HQ? Have they let her go? Like, what's, I, I just want to know. And like, I'm not saying like, I'm not saying like, I, I didn't, I did not miss Janice in this episode because there was so much other stuff going on. Like, right. even a line or two of dialogue would have sure. been distracting. But the fact that we've now had, it's not just – I was thinking about this earlier today. It's not just that we've had three episodes in a row without sight or word from her. It's the fact that over these three episodes, we've had how many weeks off from the show airing? 
Uh, it's so a great it point. Feel, and that's something that so they couldn't it feels plan like, for, right? Yeah. It feels so longer. It feels, like, it feels like longer than if it was coming out once a week. And certainly definitely longer if I'm coming back and I'm watching great the show point. later and I'm binging the show. That's a yeah, that's that, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I get the feeling, I get the feeling that yes, that that she has been taken elsewhere, that she is definitely no longer there, you know, and that was certainly the kind of the implications I think of the last conversation that um that she did have um uh, while she was there. So mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, look, we, like I said, we know we're going to see her again. She's not going to just, she's, she didn't just vanish off the face of the planet. She'll definitely be back. Uh, and I look I forward what, to it. You know, I mean, like we look, we love Georgina. Like I, I think, I think Janice has been awesome and, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I miss her presence. It would be lovely to have her on more, but it, I, I think that the, the, guess, the, the question that I keep asking myself is like, does it serve the story? And, when I look at it by on a week by week basis, I'm thinking, no, like I didn't, I didn't need her. You know what I mean? However, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that I don't want her around or don't miss her. Right. You know, (laughs) I mean, just, just make, just make her a series regular. And I I think this conversation happened after we stopped recording uh, later on, because we were just like waiting for stuff to upload, but just like um, Caitlin talking about how much he loves Georgina and, and working with her on the show. So I would yeah. just, yes, I would, I would love to see more Georgina great. around in the, in the second season. One um, thing I'll mention, one thing I'll mention real quick, kind of related to this, um, because, uh, speaking of bullshit, I got called on my bullshit from last week, um, by uh listener, uh, Merlin Marshall on Twitter, um, and really appreciated the conversation that we were able to have, uh, that, that, that came, you know, out of, out of, out of his comments. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that the thing is, is that ultimately like there's, there's, there's space for the different perspectives. There's space for, you know, these questions, there's space for these points of view. Um, I would just hope that, you know, we can do our best to approach it from kind of a sense of kindness and a sense of faith, because that's the other thing too, is it's like, at the end of the day, like these are professionals, you know, these are people who they write television for a living, you know, this is how they make their living. And in this day and age, it's so easy, you know, given social media, given podcasts, right. To go out Mm -hmm. there and, 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 and have your opinion. And I think that, you know, just, just having a little faith in, in the people that do this for a living and, you know, waiting until all the cards are on the table, um, is, is important in this instance. And, uh, it's good to have questions, you know, and, and, and here's the other thing too. It's okay to have questions and kind of try to make up the answers yourself because you might not get everything answered. Um, you know, so it's okay. It is, I guess, what I want to say with. I just want to thank Merlin. I want to thank everybody who's taken the time to to engage with us, comment, and and continue the conversation um, about uh, about family style, about quantum leap in general. It's been great. I feel like I, I just feel like the fandom has been very vibrant. You know, I, I look at Facebook, I look at Reddit, I look at Twitter. Look, you know, of course, you're going to have some people along the way that. You, you know, you just want to kind of hold your nose as you walk by them because they're saying things that aren't just a different opinion, but they're saying hateful things. And that that sucks. And that's too bad. However, the overwhelming majority of stuff that I get to see are people having really wonderful, engaging conversations about the show, about the stuff that that impacts the show, the stuff that kind of has, has spilled out of the show. Um, and even still now, I mean, how many weeks on are we from um, 
um, let them play. And I'm still seeing stuff mm-hmm. about, you know, the importance of, of that episode. And, esper- and especially at a particular point in time when, you know, trans rights are, are so incredibly important and, 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 and we're seeing, uh-huh. you know, trans people get trampled on and under threat. Um, on, on, and it feels like an hourly basis, much less daily basis. And, uh, I, I just think that it's wonderful that, you know, that this show was able to, to, to say something and, and, and to, and to let people feel seen. Um, I think that was incredibly important. So, um, it's great. And, and, and I just look forward to the, the conversations that are going to come out of, you know, SOS and come out of, you know, the next episode and the season as a whole, because we're getting to that point, Dennis, we're getting to that point where like in a month, mm-hmm. we're not going to have anything left to talk about because the show is going to be on break and we're going to have to wait till the fall for season two. <sighs> We're gonna figure stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you have, yeah, wrap up some uh, some odds and ends, straight thoughts, as I think they put it on the AV Club. Uh, something I, I forgot to mention: we were talking about Addison and her dad. Betsy brought up a fantastic point when we watched the episode the other night. She was like, "Addison has bad luck with men who feel like they have to leave her in order to save her." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that, but that's." That's interesting. That's why I had the question for for Caitlin later on. It's like, how much did she know about her relationship with her dad? Like when she really, like when they started like playing those moments and fellow travelers. Um, Yeah. It's funny because we kind of asked those questions. I think we both asked the question, the same question in a different way. And it was wonderful because mm -hmm. I felt like Caitlin, you know, gave us the, the same answer in a different way, if you will. I I already Uh, answered Or or, or a longer answer. (laughs) Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, it, it, yeah, it was, um, I, I like that about the conversation. Uh, I know, I, I, I mean, it's a great point and it's absolutely true. Um, and it'll be very interesting to see what the lasting impact of that, of Ben's decision is on Addison. Um, knowing now, you know, the complications, uh, the complicated feelings that her father's uh, decision had on her. Yeah. And I'm interested because, uh, like I said, I, I didn't know that they that it definitely comes around at the end that like Addison's dad does still leave the family or whatever. I wonder. I'm interested to see if they still have a better relationship though. Like, does Addison's dad still leave the family, but he does he do it in a better way? I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'll. I guess we'll find out. Right. Yeah. I'm curious. We'll see. But next week, he's uh, a uh, counsel, a defense attorney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's a public defender or, or not. I, that, that's something really seems like public defender. Figured yeah. out just yet. It did, yeah. Especially from the promo photos. Spoilers, real quick. Mm-hmm. Fast forward a few seconds here if you don't hear this, because from the from the promo photos, it looks like he's defending multiple people. So it's almost like a Page oh. and Dr. Song kind of thing where there might be multiple people. Although it does look like there's one case that, that might be central. Got it. You really need to set up the filter so that I know when the promo photos come out because this is the first I'm hearing that we have promo photos. I don't get I don't get an email when there are promo photos. Oh, really? I oh, only get emails go... when the screener drops. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Just have to kind of, you just have to check the website. The check-in? All right. Oh, well, I know that for the future. I know. A little bit, little bit of how the sausage is made there. Anyway. Um, yeah, there you go. Uh, but any – yeah. So um, you have heard enough from us. I want you to hear from the delightful Dean Dragaris and Caitlin Bassett. Um, 
so grateful that, that they were on the show. Um, just lovely humans and, um, yeah, I, you're gonna you're gonna hear and see for yourselves. So I'm just gonna shut up, and uh, and let you take them in because it was a blast. Caitlin Dean, welcome to the show. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you both so much for being here, Dean. Welcome back, and and Caitlin, thank you for joining us for the first time. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I got invited. <laughs> of course. Well, there's it's a standing invitation. Anytime you want to pop in, just let us know. <laughs> Talk it through, bitch about something. Right to Absolutely. You <laughs> if you've had a bad day, let us know. If you've had a good day, let us know. Either way. <laughs> Meet my bosses. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hear one of them's a real hard ass. Mm. Um <laughs> Dean, how are you doing? Welcome back. Good, thank you. Good. I'm really good. I'm happy. I'm happy Caitlin could jump on too. Absolutely. I think that this is a wonderful opportunity considering the episode that airs on Monday, SOS, uh, which you have written and which of course has some really powerful moments for Caitlin's character, Addison. Um, some of my favorite moments of the season thus far, honestly, uh, which we'll get to. Uh, before we do that, I just wanted to start off by asking you, Dean, this episode, which is, you know, you get the sole writing credit on, at what point did you decide and what prompted you to say, I want to set an episode on a battleship? Well, actually, you know, so actually what happened was at around our eighth or ninth episode of writing, we um, we brought on another uh, executive producer to sort of help us because we had so much to do uh, named Alex Berger, who's amazing. And he kind of runs the writer's room for Martin and I, and he's just like, uh, like a rock. And, one of the first things he did was say, like, hey, guys, you know, there's the USS Iowa is down in San Pedro. We could do an episode about on a battleship. And Martin said, yeah, like Universal made the movie Battleship. I wonder if we could license footage <laughs> from it. So it actually started as a bit of a wow. Could we actually do an episode on a battleship for network TV and on a network schedule and a network budget and pull it off. And once we started doing that and we, we got to when we were going to break the story as a room, like at a certain point it just dawned on me because I'd written a lot of written on a lot of movies sort of like this episode. And because I had a lot of production experience from all that and we were going to need to pull out, Every trick in the book, Chris Grismer and, and Martin and I were going to have to pull out every trick in the book to pull it off production-wise, that it just made more sense for me to just write it from the first draft. Um, because you, like, I, I mean, you know, like, for example, there's a scene where the anchor drops and the ship stops. And it's like, that's yeah. from, that's, we licensed that from the film um, and so, you know, you're designing sequences around footage. You're, it was a whole, it was a very complicated puzzle. So I just figured I'll just do it. It works incredibly well. And I, and, and, and I'm sorry to Universal, I've never seen the film Battleship. Um, so, uh, so those scenes were new to me. And I immediately, I, I thought, wow, this looks great. Yeah. Um, but the wonderful, <laughs> the wonderful thing is, is that, uh, I can imagine that there are some difficulties around writing around stuff like that, or there can be. Um, it never once felt 
forced though like it all it all made sense it all fit together really well and 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 it it to me i was completely fooled you know and even after after you had mentioned to me that that if the footage was licensed battleship i was just sort of like i I don't care like (laughs) that's fine you know um it looks a lot better than the earthquake footage that the original series licensed for an episode so uh (laughs) so at least there's that Uh, was there any difficulty in kind of crafting the story i mean you know it was some break easier than others in this one. Like I had a lot of help from one of our writers, Drew Lindo in particular, to sort of figure out, okay, where were your turns going to be? And there was just, there was just a, a, a lot to balance between. We wanted there to be a mystery in the present day that magic could sort of be solving that mm-hmm. would then help them in the new past at a key moment so, you know, it was just, there was just a lot of note cards on board and a lot of moving yeah. around. But once, once the cards were aligned, it, I think it wrote, it, it wasn't that bad, to be honest with you. And I, I, mean, loved, I loved writing an episode knowing I was going to get to write scenes where Addison was going to be, and K- Caitlin was going to be getting to act without tons of dialogue. You know, because one of the things she has to do every week that I, Think she does so remarkably well is download information, which is right. you know a very tricky thing to do, um, and make it not sound like okay, audience, here's your information. Um, and so I just was really <laughs> excited to give the chance to let her have two three minutes of screen time where her character is the most important thing on the screen and says nothing. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that um, because A, it gives us a chance to talk to Caitlin now. Um, and B, I, I think that even in family style, there were some moments um, that we saw during the project scenes, in particular when Ian, um, you know, is kind of being pressed for this information about when did you leap? You know, did they did they already leap? Did they, you know, and and there were some looks, Caitlin, that you were, you know, shooting Ian's way that made me think, oh. She doesn't trust them, uh, which I which I loved. Even if that's not necessarily the case, um, it, it made me you know wonder. It made me ask questions, which I really love because I think that one of the things that can be very difficult sometimes for an actor is when they're not speaking, right? When they're not having the camera necessarily focus on them, is to be able to get us to ask questions. So I really enjoyed that moment, knowing that this episode was coming, um, and knowing that you were you know that. Addison's father is going to play a big part in that. Um, did you feel like this episode was going to be more of a challenge than previous episodes? Well, yeah, absolutely. Certainly in the term, in, in terms of just it's to do with me, there's a lot of the show where I am, you know, I'm really just assisting Ben in his situation and, Um, You know, I think the writers have done a really magnificent job of making, you know, the A stories and B stories reflective. So oftentimes what's happening to Ben is informing something that really matters between the two of us or complicating it or, you know, progressing the the relationship in certain ways, which I think they've done really beautifully, especially considering, um, you know, especially first season, what we were up against. Um, Yeah. But this one was the first time that I was central to it, 
Like this was about my dad. And it was the best because I had Dean texting me as he was writing it weeks prior. Like, oh, I just wrote a real good one about you, you and your dad talking. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was really cool to like come down the pipe and then so I was nervous. I was definitely nervous. Um, but as I then I saw it on the page and then I was just super excited. So I'm yeah. I'm curious, uh, when me and my wife, Betsy, when we finished watching the episode, she made the comment that Addison has bad luck with men who leave her in order to save her. So I was, so I was curious to know at what point in, in the filming process of previous episodes, did you know your backstory with your dad and that. Did that, that, did that inform? No, not at all. Really good question you're asking. And I'd love to (laughs) Okay, now I hear you. Okay, excellent. Excellent. So the question was, at at what point in in filming the previous episodes did you know this backstory about your dad and how much did this inform, like, your subtext for, like, fellow travelers where we see, like, most of the fallout between you and Ben over him leaving to to save you without talking with you about it? Yeah, I knew that my family was fractured and I didn't have a great relationship with my dad, but it wasn't really spelled out until we got closer to this one. Um, so to a certain extent, I absolutely was relying on the like exhaustion with the paternalism of it, of like, please stop acting like I'm not an autonomous, capable human being that can do things and make decisions for myself. Um, and balancing that with the d- dire need not to be that person to uh, Ben all the time because nobody wants to watch sure. that. So <laughs> it's you know it's a really it's a really tricky balance of like of of informing your own character's desire but being able to like step that away when okay great uh, yeah so it's you know it's constantly a balance of, um, of of your own character stuff and layering on your own things but also like the <clears throat> the realisticness both of the story itself, Ben needs to figure out the leap and, um, you know, the reality of the, the show itself and where to put, where to put those moments because you have mm-hmm. to pick. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that I think has been so interesting about Addison's journey thus far is that, you know, those first six episodes in particular are very, very focused on, you know, what she can do to help Ben and what she can do to help get him home. And then, oh, ye of little faith happens and you're cut off from contact with Ben and we only see you at the project. Uh, and I, I really loved those scenes, you know, with Jen uh, quite a bit. I loved the conversations that were happening. I loved the, you know, the, the, the exhaustion, the mental and emotional fatigue. And I would, you know, I've said this before, uh, the episodes since coming back from Standby Ben have just all been so incredibly strong. And I think one of the reasons for that has been the progression of, you know, of Addison and, and, and of the arc and of the relationship, you know, with Ben being kind of in flux at times, um, which has been very interesting, but also because we've really started to learn more about Addison. And this episode, I think, brings a lot of that to a bit of an inflection point with the relationship with the dad. Um, so I'm curious as to how much of this episode, knowing, you know, that this was coming might've informed some of the stuff that happened in previous episodes, if at all. Um, and how you feel now 
going forward with Addison after SOS and the moments in particular with uh, Addison's dad? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I'll answer the second part first, and then I'm going to ask for a clarification on the first part. For moving forward, mm-hmm. um, it I feel like I broke in fully to Addison on this episode. Um, I think I was really feeling more comfortable with her by 12, 13, uh, especially 13. And I'm still heartbroken that a lot of some of Ben and my funnier moments got cut out of that one uh, just for time. Uh, Dean, we can talk about that later privately. But yeah, and Deborah said it too. She was like, you were hilarious. It all got cut out. Um, You can have that conversation now. That's fine. Like, we don't mind. Clickbait. Clickbait. I didn't didn't throw Martin under the bus. Let's blame blame, blame the unseen. I've got a straw man named Martin. (laughs) Martin Dean. Must have been Martin. Yeah, I had a real good time that episode. No one will know. Um... <laughs> Caitlin, you can stay. You can, always, you can just like come on the show anytime. <laughs> I'll be here. Uh, well, I love talking about it. It's my whole life right now. You know what I, mean? I love that you guys do this. But anyway, that, uh, I will go on tangents. Please don't let me. So, uh, 13. It's okay. <laughs> um, but 14 is really where I felt like I broke in because for the first time, like you said, a lot of the earlier episodes were incredibly focused on Ben and they, they had to be, that's the show. That's the yeah. point. Uh, Ray is the lead and Ray is a phenomenal lead and we have to service that. Um, but for shows to have longevity, you have to have more. Uh, and we have such Absolutely. a wonderful cast. And they really started to bring me in on this one in a way that was like, oh, you're a full person. We're dealing with your own stuff. And um, and they put it in the leap. And so it, I felt, I mean, I was so comfortable. Even being on a ship, I was just, it felt, I was like, oh, right, right, right. Here she is. This <laughs> makes sense for her. Uh, this makes sense for me. And then to see that, to go on her entire journey in 14 and then come out the the back end of that both as like a fully realized human with like a new understanding of her whole life. Cause that's, she essentially re-understood the most formative story of her life, which is enormous for a person. And then I get to go on the new journey with her. So it really felt like, you know, to your point, uh, I really broke into her on 14 fully. And from now on, um, you know, we're really in this together and it's felt really, really nice. The first part of your question, I'm not quite sure because do you mean like what parts of, um, like this episode was I using to inform previous choices? Cause I wasn't exactly sure of the plot line. So could you clarify your question? Yeah, that was, that was basically it. Like just how you know, if at any point before this episode, you were aware of the situation with Addison's father, if that did inform any of your choices prior to this episode, or if it kind of felt like, you know, you're just, you're just really playing the moment you're going along in each episode and, and, and working towards, you know, the, the objective of each episode and then getting to this episode that, that became kind of like that light bulb moment that it seems like you're talking about where, Oh, now I get to carry this forward. 
Well, I certainly had the light bulb moment, but I knew enough. Like, for example, episode six, when I, when the scene where Ben remembers his mother and then asks if she's alive and I have that like, oh, well, yeah, you know what I mean? I got to tell him again. He, he then immediately asked about my family and I, I had enough. I knew, I knew dad left. I knew we were broken. I was like, that's a complicated. And I, you know, layered on my own story, filled that sure. out for myself. And it ended up being pretty close to what Dean wrote. Um, I'm not sure if that was mind melding or just if we had actually had <laughs> conversations. I'm not quite, I can't, I'm not quite sure, but um, yeah, there had been moments of it. And then I had definitely leveled a, a layer to her just in general, which is like, grew up wanting to be very strong and wanting to be very autonomous. And then, you know, when Ben left and all these things happened, she leans into that because that's what works for her. That's that. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I, you know, throwing it back over to Dean, um, when did you decide that this was going to be the nature of Addison's relationship with her father and that we were going to have those sort of revelatory moments in this episode. I don't remember, to be honest with you. I don't know if when I came on, you know, right at about the start of episode two-ish, three-ish, I think the room had already had this general story, which was Addison had served in the military and she was, um, her parents were divorced because I actually remember we would go back and forth. Wait, is her dad alive? Is her mom alive? <laughs> so, um, I, you know, I would love to say that we had everything mapped out with precision and detail from day one. Um, that wasn't the case. I, I, you know, I think we, you know, we were sort of building it as we went. Sure. We knew, but we knew Addison had this relationship with her father. We talked about that we wanted to put her father in a leap. And then once we landed on Iowa, we, we, um, it just was, that was sort of like, okay, well that's, that, that's the one that, that makes the yeah. most sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it was actually Deborah. I remember talking to Deborah about it. Cause I, you know, I was, I like to just talk to her and ask her advice because she did 99 of them. You know what I mean? Right. Like, what worked? What didn't work? Whatever. And I remember I told her that I wanted to do this thing at the end where Addison talks to her dad. And, and, um, and Deborah's like, oh, yeah, you, you can do the, I forget what she called it, but basically she was the one who was like, yeah, and the dad's eyes can tear up and he can, like, it can be almost as if he hurt her. Like, she gave yeah. me the, like, the green light for that. And I was like, oh, because mm -hmm. I, was, I was like, oh, cool. I'll go that far then. Thank you, Deborah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, it's, it, it, it is almost a little reminiscent, obviously not intentionally, but it is almost a little reminiscent of the end of MIA when Al talks to, to Beth, mm -hmm. um, it, you know, which is a beautiful, iconic moment in the series as well. Um, but yeah, so sorry, you were, you were going to say. No, so I, I mean, I think when I got into the note cards and the sort of the building of the episode, you know, I really started to just think specifically about her dad, right? I wanted to separate out Addison and Caitlin, and I was like, okay, well, what's, because, you know, 
the interesting thing is most of the time, Ben, the relationship between Ben and the person that the leap's life impacts does not go through another party. Do you know what I mean? So in this case, like not only is he of Addison there, but her dad has a challenging relationship with his boss, Captain, <laughs> and Ben is kind of facilitating Addison's dad really to find his own footing and find his own voice and to, and to, to do what must be done. Um, so I guess that's a long way of saying really had to figure out what was the story for Addison's dad. That would be interesting and emotional. Um, and that's what led us to this notion of like, well, what if his wife stopped loving him? Hmm. Like, just like, what if we got a, a detail that intimate, which is something, you know, we hadn't, most of our characters are, you know, are weekly people. The audience doesn't bring an emotional attachment to them when they meet them, right? Like, here's like, this sure. is Addison's mm -hmm. dad, and we love Addison, so we're going to, like, watch everything he says. And so for him to say something as shockingly, nakedly honest as, like, my wife doesn't love me anymore. I just remember thinking, I was like, oh, like that's really juicy. Like that lands so differently than it does in another episode if someone says it. Um, I'm, absolutely. I'm curious, like with needing the audience to connect with that, not just for that character, but for Addison's sake, did that play in your decision to cast a known actor, like a really known actor, Brandon Routh, in the role so that the audience automatically cares about his character? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a there's sort of there's the business side and the creative side too. Mm. Whenever you can, whenever you can cast someone like Brandon, you know, like we were lucky. Justin Hartley and Sophia came early and did the Bounty Hunter episode. You know, when you when you can, it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about him like he's just fi a fish, but like when you can hook him, <laughs> like, like you know, like you need the role. First of all, you need the role. To hook him, right? sure, like. Yeah call up and say you're playing Murray, the delicatessen owner, like, that's not that exciting. You call <laughs> up and say you're playing Addison's father, you know, executive officer on a battleship, and it's like, oh, well, let me, tell me more. Um, so it felt like we need, you know, look, we wanted someone who brought, the, frankly, like a, a presence that could hold a movie screen. You know, sure. and that's what he does. Yeah, and I also absolutely. thought when his name was first brought up, what I really liked was there's just such an in earnest, endearing sort of goodness that comes off of him, right? Like there's a reason they cast him to be Superman, like as yeah. opposed to Batman, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, I just thought how interesting that like for the people who, you know, watch every week and follow along, it's like Addison's dad, boom, he's handsome and charming and warm. Like, whoa, hold on a second. Um, not what we were expecting. Um, but then, if you think about it, it's so much like Addison. Like, mm -hmm, like yeah. their characters are so similar um, in terms of their loyalty, like, always, like, you know, choosing what's right, choosing the greater good, self-sacrifice, mm -hmm. um, the stoicism right. would need to be. Like, they're both sort of the rocks for the other person in their life. So, there's actually a ton of similarities. It's just I just sort of tried to disguise them. 
<laughs> well, I, I know. I, I think it all it all plays really well. I mean, even going back to you know into the first couple of episodes when Addison has the the thumb drive, right, and 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 is willing to kind of like you know play it cool in order to figure out what's on there first, and you you figure that that's kind of the same thing that that her dad would do. Um, Caitlin, how did you feel when you found out that Brandon Routh was going to be playing your dad? Uh, I think I told everyone in my life that they had to cast Superman as my dad. <laughs> Every single person. I texted my dad. I was like, you're, guess what? <laughs> take a back, take a back seat. Yeah. <laughs> because. Uh, I think I bragged the whole episode. I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I, uh, did they have to cast Superman to be your dad? No, they didn't. <laughs> it was, I, it was awesome. I mean, it's obviously Brandon's, a legend. And so, you know, there's always like a little bit of like, well, I hope we don't, I hope we do a good job. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's always that. But then uh, I'm not sure if you've met Brandon or seen him anywhere. He is the sweetest, kindest, warmest man. Uh, you know what I mean? So he yeah. makes you feel so comfortable right away, uh, which was lovely. And yeah. I mean, it, it, I was just, I was just super excited. I was like, here we go. We're going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I was, when I, when I heard the news, I was very excited too. And I thought that it was, it was perfect. And, and it, and it, it is, it, it's, it's, there are some incredibly beautiful moments. Uh, and obviously I think the, the biggest one and, and, and certainly one of the biggest ones for Addison this whole season um, is indeed the, the, the monologue. And it would be easy to almost call it like a forgiveness monologue but it's not really about forgiveness it's more about understanding and i and i loved and i loved that um contrasting it to insensitively because there's no other words to the death notice monologue in paging dr song where you get to engage with you know with uh with raymond and you, you know you're delivering that to someone in this instance knowing that technically like he's not really there you're not really there he can't engage with you in that same way um, did you find that more challenging? Because it's, I mean, it's, I, it genuinely is one of the most beautiful moments of the entire season. Like I love it. And I mean, it, it, it certainly moved me to tears. Um, so I'm just kind of curious about your process for that, knowing that you're not really engaging with this person and yet you, you are, yeah. um, just not necessarily in the moment. Yeah. Well, I actually, I wish the answer could be, I worked really hard. But it's not, it, I didn't. And here's why. Because it was well-written, first of all. But second of all, um, my father was a Vietnam veteran. So he spent a year in Vietnam. I did two tours in Afghanistan. And I have always been interested in the idea of generational service and gen generational veterans. Because the ripples of that uh, extend generationally. Um and a lot of my choices came from the fact that my dad was in Vietnam and then 9-11 happened. And I went like that. It was that that state that stays in the family. And so when you're when you have a family of service, there's something that something very interesting. Secondarily, um, I think it's so interesting to have, especially in the veteran context, to go back having life experience, being an adult and see your parent 
at your age in whatever handling, whatever they were handling with the best to the best of their ability with the tools that they had um, is something that I think all of us maybe strive to do at some point to, to understand who our parents were then, why they were, are how they are. And you might not have to forgive them depending on your relationship with them, but certainly you understand it's about Mm -hmm. now I have lived enough life at my age to look at you then, or even look at you older and understand that you were just doing the best that you possibly could. If you could have done better, you would have done better. And so with all of that, with the generationalness of, of combat and, and seeing your parent as an adult and not for, it's not about forgiveness. It's just about pure understanding. That was the, maybe one of the easiest scenes I've ever done in my entire life because there's just, I mean, it's just truth. It's just, I understand that you did the best that you could and I'm going to release us both from the story that I have been telling myself because I could only understand this relationship as a child. And now I understand it as an adult. Uh, so it was, and, and then also Brandon himself is just so open and available that I could watch him fight it. And that started to kill me. Cause then I just see my dad trying to fight it. And now I'm like, well, now I'm trying to not snot cry so that they can use this take. <laughs> this might get rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was, I mean, it was, it was lovely. Um, I'll ask you, Jim. We we talked during the filming about making sure we didn't tread into, like, sort of, oh, woe is me apologies territory for her dad. Like, oh, he gets, like, he gets a free pass for leaving the mom. Like, I remember, like, we were talking about that. That, like, we we were we were very aware to not make it, like. This is the Addison apology tour in any way, shape, or form, or it's the like, oh, I've been so misunderstood story. You know what I mean? It's just, mm-hmm. it's just knowledge. It's just Addison yeah. is getting to see what her dad did and why he did it, and none of the answers. And I mean, and this is sort of, you know, it's sort of another thing we wanted to play with is like. You know, people are always like, oh, quantum leap, like if you act, if you turn left instead of right, the whole universe is going to explode. And it's like, yes, that's one way to talk about it. But the truth is, it's also like even big things don't necessarily change who you are. Right. You know, it, like like um, and it was interesting to to explore that side. But sorry, I sort of went off track. I wanted to go back to say, like, it was one thing, Caitlin. Caitlin's good. She's like the. It's not like the set police, but like, like if something's not right, like Caitlin can feel it. It's and it's very both she and Raymond have that, and it's very it's a nice luxury for us as producers and writers because you you know you don't have to be there. Like you you'll get the call or you'll get the text or you'll be like you know hey let's not let's not stray too far into like you know just being like yeah I'm leaving my wife but it's all good. Fine. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, like one of the, the parts of uh, Addison's dad's story that connected with me and I won't go into because I don't want to turn this into a therapy session. I feel like I've said that three episodes in a row now. 
um, is the fact that he <laughs> that he that the captain said like like I you were white trash and I pulled you out of that I pulled you under my wing and he talks about this darkness that he has and part of the reason for leaving is like he doesn't want to pass that darkness on to Addison. Is there a, a particular like inspiration you pulled that particular that idea or story from? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Um, Cause you know, like sometimes you're planning, but you the sure? truth is you, you plan it all out. And then as a writer, you just sit there and watch it in your head. Absolutely. Um, and I think, so the idea that the captain was a father figure to him sort of felt like, Oh, well that would make sense because this is a story about fathers. Like, and the expectation is like we're seeing Addison's father. And it's like, mm. okay, but let's see him in the role as child as well to this captain. Sure. So I think as soon as it got that, I just, you know, when in doubt, go big. You know what I mean? Like mm. like make make this captain actually responsible for his life. And also it would explain why you if you're him, why you would l- like look aside. Mm-hmm. for Following so short, many misbehaviors. You know, like the, the analogy I kept thinking of completely inappropriately was when your older parent, you need to talk to them about taking their driver's license away. Like, it's a very difficult sure. conversation. Mm-hmm. And I was like, imagine if you had to do that on the scale of of the USSR. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so it came from there. It really came from wanting to make this man be like his father and then Mm -hmm. in the course of now i remember actually in the course of i wanted to contrast him with his real father right and since you're seeing the captain the captain doesn't seem like such a great guy as you're watching the episode so Mm -hmm. how do we and it's like well compared to my dad this captain is a prince and then suddenly you're like Mm -hmm. oh well once you feel like you have that darkness in you now i understand why you have a distant relationship with your daughter like because you absolutely want to stop that so it is it's about therapy session for me apparently is what this (laughs) (laughs) well i think that one of the things that it touched on and and caitlin you so eloquently put it earlier talking about generational service too is that idea of transgenerational trauma and the way that that the trauma that we experience you know is often informed by the trauma that was experienced by a parent grandparent so on and so forth and um it felt like by having Addison's dad, you know, say that he didn't want to pass that on. And then of course, having that beautiful moment where Addison literally says it ends with you. I think that there's so much power to that, that goes, you know, far beyond anything, you know, any, any kind of, uh, um, you know, character moment or, or, or character building or, or whatever for Addison. Um, n- knowing that I'm glad they came across. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it absolutely did. Um, mm. it, it, it hit it hit very, 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 very close to home, uh, especially right now for me. Um the uh the one of the things that I wanted to ask is is that having to to have this situation with Addison's father and knowing what happened in that original, you know, timeline and knowing that changes were going to be made, but that ultimately that's not the point of the leap, right? The point of the leap is not to save Addison's dad. Um, so Caitlin, I'll ask you first, you know, upon like reading the script and realizing that you're getting, you know, these, these moments, right. And we're learning all of this information about your character and, and, and about her father, but that that's not really the point of the leap. 
um, which I think is fantastic. I'm curious as to what you thought about that and what your initial impressions were when you, when you read the script. Yeah. Well, actually I remember really specifically talking to Ray and us talking to Dean and being like, why isn't Ben trying to convince him to stay? Why isn't Ben trying to explain to him like, like, like leaving is not the answer. Like you could grow up a little, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it, it's, it's the first time we really started to play with like the idea of like, Oh, if I change this, we might change who Addison is at her core. Cause you remove so much. Um, but then Dean really explained like that the leaving, first of all, it wasn't, the leaving wasn't really the problem. It was my misunderstanding, but moreover, like the point of this leap was to save the other people. That's, and not start a very terrible situation. Um, That was the point of this leap. And uh, my understanding, now obviously we shaped it, right? Like something has changed in the history, in my dad's history, but the outcome wasn't necessarily different, but that made it okay. It, it was okay that the outcome was still sad for the family, but, but had been put right ultimately. Yeah. Um, and that like, we still, there was also that element of like, we had to let it play. And I really liked that restraint in the show because a lot of times, you know, you got to fix everything. And I like mm-hmm. the idea and I hope we continue to play with the idea of like, you have to fix, you got to do the mission, which is like very Addison, right? Like what's the mission? What's the <laughs> job? But outside of that, sometimes you got to let stuff suck. Um, yeah. And that's okay. And yeah, so that was my, my reaction was like, well, why isn't he fixing everything? Like, and I even asked Ray, I was like, Do you think, don't you think Ben would try to fix everything? And Ray had a good answer. He was like, well, I, I'm kind of taking your lead right now. And that's not the point of this leap. And I was like, you're right. It's not, you know, it's, it's interesting. So Ray and I kind of had a conversation. I feel like Addison and Ben might've had off camera. You have it a little bit on camera in the beginning when we're doing the intercut between you telling the story and magic telling the story back at mm-hmm. HQ where they're like, but what if she changes and, and it comes full circle to basically you saying uh, the equivalent of, I don't care about anything else besides saving these 138 men. Like, I mean, you say like my dad won't change, but like you're, you're, you're Every time Caitlin is going to pick or Addison is going to pick saving the 138 people. And what's interesting about that, of course, is that's what her dad didn't do. Right. So when she says it stopped with me, the truth is it did stop. I mean, it stops with you, dad. Right. The darkness, whatever you want to call it. Like it. We absolutely know for a fact, if you think about it, that it did stop with him because his daughter makes even more courageous choices than he does. If that makes sense. Like before, mm-hmm. before anybody changes anything. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, you know, it's one of those things, right. That, that, that in the, in the original history, Addison's dad sees to the, the needs of the one, right. You know, the captain and, and whereas we clearly see that Addison's going to see 
to the needs of the many every time. And that's something that I think that, that, that we get even from the pilot, frankly, or not the pilot, but the first episode, when we get the reveal that Addison was supposed to be the leaper and that Ben was supposed to be, you know, her observer. Um, Caitlin, I'm curious about just in general, not even with SOS, has that, how has that kind of informed your approach to the character of Addison, knowing that originally like you were supposed to be the one in there, like putting right what once went wrong. And now you have to guide Ben instead of being the, the active participant really. Yeah. I mean, uh, well in one, I think, how do I say this? My favorite moments are when Ziggy isn't working right. And (laughs) we have to rely on Addison and Ben, because that is when I think we, she in particular, but both of them as a team really gets to shine because we aren't being spoon fed answers. Like we actually rely on our own capabilities. And that is when she really shines because that's what she was meant to do. And that's what she was really born to do. She wasn't born to read information. That's not who she is. Um, and I, I really appreciate that they've allowed me to, to explore that. And as the season continues, they allow me to explore it more and more. Um, but, you know, it's not like I'm holding a chip or anything like that. It's just more <laughs> about, like, general competence. Like, yeah. <laughs> Do that better. No, that thing. Right. Because the truth is, Ziggy actually tells them nothing in 14. Right. If I like, unless memory serves, like when Ziggy says, Oh, we're going to go to war, it's like, you don't really need Ziggy to tell you. (laughs) Right. How bad things are going to (laughs) get. And then, you know, the one, the one thing Ziggy told us that was surprising actually ended up not making the episode which was mm. that her dad still left the Navy. Um, but otherwise I, cause I just to echo what Caitlin said, like I like I'm at the risk of upsetting anyone out there, especially Deborah, the voice of Ziggy. Like I love Ziggy, but I agree with Caitlin. Like I, you know, the point of the show and Deborah said this many times is you don't need a superhero to come in and save your life. You just need help from another human being who cares and who may be paying attention. And I think that's why when Ziggy's not giving us too much, it really resonates with with me too. Like I, I really I I just completely agree with what Caitlin said. So I'll throw out a question that I'm I'm happy to cut if you don't feel like answering this for the fans. And I'm happy to cut it because Sam does our editing, so that just makes more work for him. But <laughs> We were like one of our watch parties that we that we had for the episodes a few weeks ago. It occurred to me, like, I feel like the show would have been so much better serviced if you would have just written Ziggy out of it. If you would have said, you know what, we can recreate the quantum leap accelerator. But Ziggy was a one of a kind thing that only Dr. Sam Beckett could create. We can't recreate it. Dean, if you could go back, if you were if you had the reins of this show from the very beginning, would you have cut Ziggy out? Ask me after the finale. Ask me. Okay. Awesome. No spoilers. All right. But yes. All right. Um, one of the things in, you touched on this earlier, Dean, and I, and I, and I actually sent this to you because it, it, it hit me as soon as I finished watching the episode is that I 
could not escape the notion that the consequences of our lives don't hinge on one moment. That for all the good that quantum leaping can do, it's sometimes not as simple as saying, you know, I put this right now, everybody gets a happy ending. And I, I, again, going back to the idea that the mission here is to save those lives, those 138 sailors. Uh, and that, and that's enough. Um, and that, you know, yeah, Addison's dad might have peace of mind. Uh, but that one of the things that the episode does so well, and it does it a couple of different times is use the future to inform the past or use the future or the present rather to, uh, shed light on the, the past. And we get it in some beautiful ways because obviously for Addison, it's very personal, but then there's these wonderful moments between magic and his Chinese counterpart where, we hear the story of what happened originally. And I love the way that that kind of informs, you know, what was happening back in 1989. Um, where did that come from? What was, what was kind of your intent behind that? I'm trying to remember if I backed into something really good creatively, practically, or if I went the other <laughs> way. I, so I'm going to just, I'm going to answer it as if I backed into it practically so that people don't think, that this is always like you come up with this genius idea and then like you just write it. So one of the problems was I needed to be able to have a big explosion happen on a battleship and the Chinese sub did not have been responsible for it because if the Chinese sub is responsible for it, like one, I can't afford to make it. And two, like, now like right? Like the whole point is it has to be a misunderstanding. So I was like, right. Um, and we had a, a terrific technical advisor on this episode. In fact, I have to write him tonight and let him know it's on tomorrow, uh, named uh, Captain William Toady, who was the captain of the Los Angeles-class attack submarine, the USS Indianapolis. And, mm. and T-O-T-I, William Toady, I Google him. Uh, he's brilliant and fascinating and interesting. Um, and he actually, it was a discussion about torpedoes, and depth charges, because originally I was like, oh, and then the depth charges. He's like, yeah, there haven't been depth charges on battleships since 1960. And I was like, really? Um, and he brought up mines. And when he brought up a mine, I think at that point I was like, okay, that'll be my explosion will be a mine. And then suddenly the light went off in my head and I'm like, that'll have been the explosion in the past. So honestly, I think that was the, that's, so there you go, people. Sometimes the trail is not like you don't set out to be that clever, you but you oftentimes you look for those connections when you yeah. you know like as soon as I once it was a mine, I was like, oh that could be what sunk the sub the first place. Then there's connective tissue. So that's the it was a practical fine. Well I but I think that that's one of the things sometimes, you know, it's funny. We had a wonderful talk with JJ Lindell, who's been doing these amazing posters, oh um, God, you know, for the show. Yeah. So we, cool. we love him and, uh, got the chance to talk to him a few weeks back and we were talking a lot about creativity and sometimes, you know, yeah, it does hit you like a lightning bolt, right? Sometimes you just like, you, it's just there, but then other times part of what creativity really is, is it's being able to know when to say yes to something, you know, being, being able to know when to open the door. And, and, uh, and so I love that explanation. And, and, and I just think that it, it ends up being something that's really, that's really cool. Uh, and, and I, again, the parallels are, are, are wonderful. Um, I, I want to go back real quick because we were talking about the scene at the project where, you know, Jen kind of says the back to the future comment. And then Ian, they, they do this wonderful thing where they kind of explain that, you know, that's great, but that's not exactly how this works. Um, I loved that 
because again, it plays into that idea that, you know, it doesn't all hinge on one big moment. Um, do you feel like that frees you up to play a little bit more in the past when it comes to the effect that it might have on the characters? Um, I mean, here's what I'll say. Like, the, like the, what, I, what I've decided personally is the further in, you know, at first blush, you would think the further in the past, the more impactful it is. But like, I actually sort of come to the opposite idea. So in other words, like if, if we were to leap back to 2015 and make a change, I think like you would see like your brain, I'm not saying you would be a different human being, but like you might be in a different circumstance. Um, whereas I guess what I'm trying to say is changing a human, you have to get to them really early in their own lives is basically what I'm trying to say. Like that was the sort of the point with the Addison's dad leap is like, we're leaping to him when he was 35 Addison's already born. I don't want to pretend that change is that easy. You know what I'm like? That, yeah, like it's, yeah. it's just not. Um, so I think that that's the way I sort of make peace with it. Like, I do think we are going to want to play with, well, but like, what if the door closes when Addison's supposed to this, like, we're going to want to play that. That's fun. That's good drama. But I like, we can't walk on eggshells every, I mean, they change the past every episode. Newsflash. Right. They change right. the past every episode. Like, Carly Farmer is still a recording artist. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, but that's the thing, right? Like, the number of lives that they impact, it's such a complicated uh, web that I just, that's the only way I can wrap my head around it, is that basically... I can't think that one little matchstick is going to just blink us all out of existence. That just would drive me nuts. And Absolutely. it would have happened. There were 99 episodes of the original show. Like it would have. Right. We, we joke about it all the time. Like for, people sometimes here's an implication of the lore. Everyone's like the lore, the lore. I'm like, well, let me tell you, here's one implication of the lore. Like it doesn't change as much as you think because like watch the show. It doesn't change as much as you think. Like, it's supposed to change the lives of the people they target. Sure. That's I mean, we've, we've joked about it on the show before, like the original Quantum Leap, like there are so many leaps that ended with like people getting married and babies being born. And that's great. But there are some episodes that ended, meaning that there's literally like the end of one episode, a marriage gets wiped out of existence, children get wiped out of existence, and Al makes a joke about it. <laughs> Yeah. So you can't. At least think, they didn't you, have kids. Yeah. 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 So we can't. You can't think too hard about that kind of stuff. Um, one of the things that happened in, over the course of this episode that I thought was pretty remarkable because it's not something that's really been discussed a whole lot. We had the line from Ian about you know Sam Beckett believing that God was leaping him through time, but it hasn't been talked as much about what the forces are that might be at play here. And one of the things that happens over the course of this episode is that we get Addison talking about fate, which is something that's pretty huge in the original series. And then magic having a, a, a lie. He quotes Martin Luther King Jr. And then he also talks a lot about, you know, the forces that could be at work here, whatever that might be, which is, which very much reminded me of sort of the God time fate or whatever from the original series. So the first question I'm going to throw to Caitlin, how do you feel about Addison believing in fate or does Addison believe in fate? And what do you think, what does that mean to you? 
Remind me exactly what that line was in 14. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't have the script in front of me. Um, uh, I don't know. All I took, I, the only note I took is Addison believes in fate. So I don't remember exactly what the line was. Well, that's hard to contextualize sound. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> Here's your chance. You can tell us what Addison believes, and then we have to write it, Caitlin. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that she should be riding horses in the leaps. <laughs> I'm still mad about it. Uh, okay. Uh, and I, she also likes when her jokes stick. Um, like my millennial joke that didn't make it in. <clears throat> I'm not mad. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, what do I believe? Ab- like, like about Addison having beliefs about her believing in fate. Um, yeah, specifically well, like about about what that means. I don't know. I don't know what it would mean for her in a other than she got into this. I really think she got into this for the right reasons. Because I mean, I think as an operator, there's two reasons to get into this. One, because it's super freaking exciting, right? Like mm. you want to time travel and be the first person to do that with a time travel machine that works properly um, and you can come back from and do all those things. Obviously that didn't work out. Um, But the other reason to do it is because you really, really believe in it. You really believe that it's, it's helping people. You, you believe that you're destined to do this. You believe that this team is destined to do this. And I think grounding her to that second reason uh, defines her character in a much deeper way. Uh, I think I've always believed that Addison believes in this project, that she's always believed that, that this was good and, and right. I, we even talk about it in 11 a bit, like we're doing the right thing, even when that question does come up. Um, and, uh, and, and I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see how and if those beliefs are challenged down the road. Absolutely. The line, by the way, is uh, it's in response to, um, you know, Ben wanting to kind of change other things. He says, then it's a good thing. It's not your choice. Ben, fate brought us here to save all those men who died because of my father. Please help me do that. Yes. Which is lovely because, I, again, it's, you know, it's, I think it's just a wonderful moment for you to, you know, to kind of like lay it down and say, this is what we're here to do. Yeah. I think that the implications of the line to me, too, it's not even just that Addison believes in fate, but that that, that you believe that fate might be dictating the course of these leaps, um, which I think is great. So so now kind of like throwing that back over to you, Dean knowing what we know about Ben being on this journey to, you know, to save Addison, even though there could very well be more to it than that. uh, How much, uh, you know, uh, of that thought of fate kind of being in play here is something that Ben might've been aware of when he kicked all of this off and stepped into that accelerator. And, and, and what do you think about the ideas of the forces that could be at work other than just, you know, a computer, you know, sending him on random missions. So I think that Ben, what's interesting about Ben is for all his high minded ideals, like he very much got activated by a fear for his fiance and he left. Right. So in a way that's not exactly a fantastic 
view of fate. <laughs> like that's like, <laughs> like that's, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I happen to, uh, and I also think frankly, Ben, Ben's focused on that. Do you know what I mean? Like he has to believe that like, there will be a justification for what he's done to Addison's life. I mean, like he is, he's broken her heart, right? By leaving. Like if he, he, he better come home because otherwise he destroyed his, the woman he loves life. Um, where, and so it's one of the reasons I wanted magic to talk about the bigger guiding force is because like every week it's like, Ooh, Leaper X. Ooh, like, what ooh, What did we learn about what Ben's doing this week? And it's like, okay, yes, yes, yes. But, like, what's the bigger, bigger, bigger picture here? Like, what's it, what's, what are we not looking at because we're so busy focused on this? It's something, and uh, that was the point of Magic's sort of moment. Um, yeah. You know, is when everything's going wrong, and, you know, look, Ernie Hudson, like, is just like you, you know, he tells you something and you're just like, the world is a good place. Like, he just like, there's just something about being around him. Like Caitlin, right? Like he just, he's just what you see on camera is like what he's like in person. And so I just found myself thinking in an episode with lots of drama and lots of heavy, you know, and not as much opportunity for humor as I normally like to see, like, but it just wasn't, you know, and especially with Caitlin and Raymond, who are so funny. Um, I just was like, we need a breath of fresh air. And I wanted to hear Magic tell us what, you know, Magic talks about Sam, but it's like, talk about Quantum Leap. Like, what do you really think this is about? Like in a bigger picture. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I think what I agree with what he said, no shock, like that it's, you know, I've always loved the quote, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice, meaning it takes time, but hey, we're headed in the right direction. I've always loved it, but I had never thought about, well, what, what bent it? Like, cause you, right? Like, cause it's, 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 it's not a straight line. Something bent it towards justice. And I was like, the same thing that bent that is what is sending Ben through these leaps. Like I, that just, I take comfort in that. You know, it's the best way I can put it. And, but I also think it's important. I think it's important that we stay global because the it, it, it'll allow us to take the series wherever we want to go. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful answer. Um, we want to we want to wrap up soon in interest of everyone's time. But uh, I do have a couple of questions that uh, I, I've wanted to ask Caitlin for forever. So so now that you're here, I'm just going to ask them. They don't necessarily have to do with SOS. Um, when you when you were auditioning for this and, and and you started to learn maybe a bit about Addison as a character, was there a point given your own military background and the character's military background and that sort of was there a point that you just so identified that you thought I ha I, I I have to do this? Did you did you just feel that that strong connection like right away, or is it something that came later? Oh, I mean, right from the first audition sides, I strongly I was like well I thought two very distinct thoughts one is I could be perfect for this this aligns <laughs> with my history this aligns with who I think I am I 
with the kind of show I want to do with the kind of work I want to put in the world, a show that makes people happy. Like that's, that's what I wanted to do always. And the second distinct thought was that there was no way they were going to hire me to do this job. Like I <laughs> never, no, I was like, unless everybody at NBC is drunk, um, they're not hiring <laughs> me to do this. And then they were. So like, it's, it was, I mean, it was so surreal throughout the whole process. Cause but you, you know, like actors know when you, when you read and you're like, nah, that fit, right. That's that, that jacket fit real well. And, yeah. and people say, you know, like my team and, and the wonderful uh, friend of mine that I went to theater school that read with me, uh, Keaton Scolari, a wonderful actor, the son of the late, great Peter Scolari, uh, Bosom Buddies, uh, most yeah. recently evil. He's a wonderful man, passed uh, from throat cancer earlier last year. Um, and his son's a very good friend of mine, and he helped me re- read for that. He was my reader. And, um, and like, even between us, because we'd, we'd acted together for years at that point, and he was like, hmm. This works well, uh, but you, never, <laughs> you, know, you never know. And, uh, yeah. because I've also read for things where I'm like, wow, I'm perfect for this, but I didn't line up with what they had in mind. It's all, it's this, this world is so much about vision and whose vision. Uh, and luckily I was, I was theirs. You talked earlier yeah. about, oh, ye of little faith and loving how Addison wasn't in the leap. Well, like there's this been this refrain in season one where like every two or three episodes, Caitlin basically comes to me and it's like, so or am I getting fired? Am I like, getting fired? Like, <laughs> so, so when she read episode seven, she's like, so I'm so I'm not in the leap, huh? Like, <laughs> and I promise. I promise you're not getting fired. <laughs> That was a um, running joke. I shot the pilot in Vancouver. That's been the running joke. Now I'm like, am I? So am I fired? <laughs> now I'm fired. Okay. Now you guys are just going to burn the leaves, and I'm gone. Uh, they still haven't done it. So, well, clearly now that the relationship with you know Addison's dad is fixed, like now she can just ride off into the sunset, right? Like it's you know. Yeah, so <laughs> no, I uh, certainly. Certainly not anything that anyone wants, and and I'm so glad that that it, that it fit you so well. Um, <laughs> but uh, along the process, and and because, do you feel in some way that this has been kind of on the job training? You know, obviously you have you you have a background and you've been trained. You you know you, you've worked as an actor, but this is kind of the first, you know, the first thing in some ways. So do you feel like it's been sort of just on the job training and, and you and you keep kind of just learning and, and how do you approach something like this and remain open to receive, you know, everything that, that, that you're getting and, 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 and the opportunities to, to learn from everybody and, and, uh, and work on the show now? Well, I mean, in short, you don't all the time. It's, you can only, um, absorb so much at a certain time. And, 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 and this job has been a fire hose of new things. I mean, every, like, and so much of it went to Ray, like things that have, and I would just be like, what's that? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> and Ray has explained so much from like the code to say that you're going to the restroom. It is 10, one. 
for the record. Like it's just things I didn't know. I didn't, you don't know until you know. So, um, it's been, I mean, it's been an enormous learning experience, not just for the acting side, because that is its own monster, but that I at least had training in, I had a background in, but it's everything else. It's everything from the days to the, the pace, to the rewrites, to the, um, how to manage your energy, how to, uh, create boundaries when people touch you all day. Cause that's their job. They got to fix mm-hmm. your stuff. You know what I mean? That's just there. It's just things that you learn, um, how to do press, how to do interviews, how to not stress out all the time. <laughs> because all of a sudden you feel everything matters so much, you know what I mean? And, and you have to learn how to live at a pace where you, you can live. Um, so yeah, I've been learning so much this whole time and, uh, I've certainly been growing, I mean, as a person, as an actor, as a professional, cause that's all, they're all different things. Like, uh, there's, you know, a lot, a lot of examples you can give of amazing actors that you hear are just horrible to work with. And then people that are great to work with, but you know, on screen, I'm not sure if you like they're getting awards, but it's just like how it's just, <laughs> you're learning so much. So yes, it's been an enormous learning experience. Um, I failed a million different ways in a million different times and I will continue to do so because that's, what people do. And there's been times where I don't have the energy to absorb a lesson right now or meet a new person. Like I have to worry about getting these new pages down. And then there's sometimes I am. So, um, you know, it's been every day I have learned so much. Um, and I'm just excited that I get the opportunity to continue to come back to the plate and grow again and try again and try again. And as an actor, it's all you can ask. Absolutely. Um, I love that. I love everything that you just said so much. Um, do you have a favorite episode of the season so far? I mean, 14 is real good. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's about me. <laughs> I really like the one that was all about me. Uh, yeah, I loved 14. I loved 13, honestly. I had yeah. sweet, sweet, not only was Deborah directing, but how she was directing, it, it felt like we were on a single cam comedy, some of that. And it's like, what a treat as an actor to learn to go from this single cam comedy to a big battleship drama. Right. Like, I mean, it's the, the, the learning ground I'm on right now is sacred. And I'm so grateful for it because it's, it's the best job on the, like, you get to do a different show every week. It's spectacular. So, yeah, I mean, 14 is a real favorite. Uh, I loved 11. Uh, I loved it. I love, I love the finale. Yeah, I mean, but that's not fair because, you know, you get to pull out all the tricks and all the... <laughs> no, it's not fair. But it's, you know, it's just been, it's been so much fun. Yeah. Um, were you familiar with the original series at all? Uh, I was familiar with it. I was not like a fan fan. I had seen maybe an episode or two as a rerun, but my, my parents were, they were big old fans. My sister and brother were big old fans. Um, I was the youngest. It was from my dad's second marriage. So my, my siblings were a little older. Um, and then, so when I texted them, I was like, Oh, I'm auditioning for quantum league. They're like, we love that show. So now <laughs> I've gone back and watched quite a few and it's, it's been really sure. great. Sure. Nice. 
Dennis, you've had a question. No, I was just going to say, I think, uh, I was going to say, you've had so many great answers. I was about to come in and say, on that note, I think it's a good time to say say goodbye and say thank you. Thank you all. Dennis is basically the one that tells me to shut up. Otherwise, I'll just keep going. So, yeah, I have to have somebody to, like, you know, pull me off. Um, We we are both from the Midwest, (laughs) and we are are both kings of the Midwest goodbye. So, it's... (laughs) Look, I I just want to I just want to say that, uh, you know, it's easy to to say things kind of offhand to other people sometimes. And I I had the opportunity to say this earlier uh, um, to Dean and and to Dennis. Um, But I just I just think that the work that you've been doing is incredible. And I'm I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm grateful for your work. And uh, oh, there's Harrison. Um, (laughs) And um, and we think you're pretty special. And I and I'm just so grateful that you joined us. So thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you. And then if I can also extend some thanks, your show was the first show I watched when I got the job. (laughs) Yep. It was the first show I watched and you were so kind and it's the only show I will watch. Um, And uh, my mom watches your, she always sends me (laughs) your, your links. She watches your Mm. show. And I I just really appreciate it because when I took this role on, I was very afraid uh, of a lot of reasons, getting fired uh, <laughs> my whole life, every opportunity I've ever gotten, you know, all, small things like that. But mostly because I, I was stepping into a show where I was going to not reprise because it's not the same character, but I was taking over the role of a very beloved hologram in Dean Stockwell mm-hmm. Who, and an actor who I was never going to be anything like. And for a lot of reasons, I was... Because in, in some ways, you know, Ray and Mr. Bakula are, are similar. Uh, there's sure. some similarities there. Uh, me and Dean Stockwell do not have many. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so I was, I was very nervous. And you guys have been so consistently kind about it and uh, encouraging. And I just wanted to thank you for that because it actually, I did see it and I appreciated it and it helped me uh, be braver in this role and feel supported. Like, like the original fans didn't just hate me just because I wasn't Dean Sockwell. So I thank you for that. Um, Cause it, it really did help. Wow. You're very welcome. It's all true. And and again, we we appreciate it's been it's been really cool just to see mm-hmm. your work from the beginning to now and just see the way that you've grown, like, uh, you know, even as an actor, like, I, I mean, it's 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 true. And it's incredible. And, and, and it's lovely. And, um, and I, like I said, I have no problem saying I was moved to tears. And and and, and of course, part of that is due to, to Dean and, and, and his writing uh, as well. Um, and, and I know that he's he's given he's given you some good stuff. Um, <laughs> But uh, thank you so much, and, and we certainly hope that you'll come back on and, and talk mm-hmm. to us again, and we haven't scared you off. Um, <laughs> and, um, and Dean, as always, thank you so, so very much, and, uh, and congratulations to you both, because the episode's fantastic, and, and I, I, you know, I loved it, um, and it's been a joy to, uh, yeah, to just be along for the ride and really looking forward to, to what's next. Yeah, can't wait to, to to talk to you all after the finale and see what I the, know. The, the, the little nugget you dropped. I'm like, ooh, ooh, it's exciting. Mm. 
and you have to wait till fall for season two. Such trash. I know. <sighs> it's like, yeah, it's it's like cruel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, both of you. And uh, again, we hope to talk to you again soon. Take care in the meantime, and uh, we'll be right back in just a second, leapers. Well, sir. What do you have to say you for go. yourself? No. Um, <laughs> what, 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 what did you think? Uh, what did you think, my friend? That was a lot of fun. But, I mean, every, like you said, like every yeah. interview gives something a little bit different. And that was fantastic. Uh, it was really touch and go because like there was like the first 20 minutes when we were supposed to be meeting with him. We didn't know if Caitlin was right. able to get on because of tech issues. I was like, all right. I mean, I love Dean. I'll always chat with Dean. But I was like, all right, are we just going to get Dean? But um that was lovely. <laughs> it was a very very lovely chat and again yeah, uh, yeah. thanks 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 for being on yeah absolutely that's all really thank have. you so yeah. so very much it was it was a pleasure and i mean it's it's impossible to articulate the sense of you know just validation and and you know the the gratitude um and for you know the kind words that they that they both had as well yeah. and um just yeah just thank you for being good people it's always awesome to see good people do good work and succeed and uh i think that that is absolutely the case right now for both of them um and mm -hmm. i can't wait to see what's next and uh, hopefully we get the chance to talk to them again in the future uh in particular when the season's all over and then we can really just dive in with all the spoilery goodness that won't be spoilers anymore because the season will be over so uh so we'll see we'll see what happens um but thank you to dean thank you to caitlin and um yeah let's leave out of here yeah. take care of yourselves take care of one another stay safe out there and remember to always always leap responsibly have a good week y'all Can't see, you'll never know